Live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts, welcome to the Spare Notes series with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and William Cooper. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smoking Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokingTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my very good friend, Mr. Mitchell Santaga, and my other very good friend, Mr. Kevin Acuff, uh, both of SmokingTobacco.com. Mr. William Cooper is not here with us tonight. Uh, he took a very well-deserved night off uh, for personal reasons, and I'll leave that at that. But the Smoking Tobacco team is here in its entirety once again, a few episodes in a row. And I know what you're thinking. Is Coop not going to be on Spare Notes anymore? This is two shows in a row. No. Uh, you know, Coop has a lot going on. And, you know, with this particular window of time in the year, there's a lot of travel and whatnot. So um, Coop will be back forever on the next show. I already spoke to him. But he had he had some things that because of all the shit that we've all been doing in, in his own stuff... Uh, he could not be here tonight, so I just want to set that record straight before people start to think, like, this is the new norm. It's not. In fact, the new norm is actually going to be most likely um, the lineup that primarily will consist of uh, me, Coop, and Kevin going forward, and Mitchell will be riding shotgun with me on Smoking Tobacco Show Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. So, there you go. There's the rundown. There's your questions answered before everyone starts to wonder what happened to Mr. William Cooper. He's fine. He'll be back, but he's a busy guy, you know? Um, but joining me both from Agurka Cigar Studio, one of which is in the beautiful British Columbia up in Canada, the other from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I have my boys with me here tonight. Stanley Cup champions. Stanley Cup champions. Viva Las Vegas. Fabulous. Fabulous. I like the way that sounds. It's fabulous. 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 <laughs> now, honestly, though, I think everyone's really just worried about the most, the most disappointing thing, or maybe the most important thing is that I'm not wearing my Benjamin Dakota Rogers t-shirt. No, you're wearing a smoked tobacco polo, which is nice, and I do appreciate that. But if you know BDR was on, I wouldn't have objected to that either. But you, but in but you, while you didn't wear that and you wore a smoking tobacco shirt, you wore a foundation hat. So who's trying to be a fanboy now? Oh, well, I, I definitely fanboy a little bit, you know. I definitely fanboy a bit. I'm not. I'm not smoking a foundation tonight. That's. Uh... I know you're in complete defect. So he's totally confused. Is that what he's saying? Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm uh... trying. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get all the boys that I fan in the picture tonight. You know, that's that's my plan. Well, you know, there, at least there's that. At least there's that. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, first of all, before we get really deep into the conversation, let's take care of a couple of light things, uh, gentlemen. I will go last. Kevin will start with you. And then Mitchell will go to you. What are you guys smoking for a cigar tonight? I am smoking the upcoming Alec Bradley Magic Toast 5th Anniversary. Ooh. That was given to me by Bradley Rubin at the trade show. Well, that's a, a nice little treat, little little pre-release smoke. Look at that. Look at you showing off. I mean, this thing this thing, this is a great-looking cigar. I know you can't, I can't really get too close to the camera, but... It is a, it's a, it's a beast. It's a big cigar. By the way, can we just talk about how great Kevin Acuff looks tonight? I mean, man, it's oh nice. My God. Look at him what in HD. Man. Oh man, it's like he's it a makes podcast me look like host a chump now. 
Not, I've got this half so, half bordered thing. My 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 camera's <laughs> kind of a little grainy. You know, I don't even have a nice camera in fr- or a nice microphone in front of me. It's just uh, your microphone is great though. Like you sound crystal clear. You're fine. You just you're you a little go. grainy That's on the video. Now 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 what Kevin has done is he'd he's forced you to upgrade your visual equipment. So I I should have a webcam on the way soon, and uh, well, the backdrop's staying the same. But I might try to I might try to be able to zoom the camera in so it's just like just my face and the backdrop please please don't please don't you know i do i do (laughs) want to give a shout out though to uh my good friend dan thompson and the crew at mccallough for actually providing me with uh, a new microphone so i actually even sound a lot better than i did the last time i was on the show oh yeah you you're you're dynamite dude look at you like i said you're legit so i'm smoking someone something deep Deep from Uranus. <laughs> Johnny. Oh. Johnny B. Tobacco Nut. Jonathan. Johnny it's B. Jonathan P. Tobacco Nut. Jonathan B. Deep from. Deep from. An intergalactic space. tobacco hunter looking for yes. the finest leaves that this galaxy has ever seen. From the ethereal spaces beyond. As he. Past Uranus. And I forget, Kevin. You'll have to you'll have to refresh my memory, but I believe he's also is he against Chief Cool Arrow? Or does he work for Chief Cool Arrow? I forget that part of the story. But Jonathan P. Tobacconaut, I know this, is the son of the original Johnny Tobacconaut. Jonathan P. is the child. He's the next generation. Uh, so this, this one just says Johnny Tobacco not. I don't know if this is the P. Oh, it's the P. Oh, it's the P. I can promise you, Matthew has told me it was the P. So there you go. It's the P. Right, Kevin. Kevin's Kevin's staying too quiet, but I know he knows this information. This is smoking really well so far. I actually actually don't know the answers to that question as well as I know Matt Booth. I do not know the. I uh, could have sworn you were there for that conversation. Uh, I thought you were there for that. We just talked about this. I think we do talk about it a bit on the interview, but I was a little frazzled for that, so yeah, maybe yeah, you got you got the the smoking tobacco Matt Booth interview of Mitchell. Yeah, Center. make sure make sure uh, make sure to go smokingtobacco.com or our YouTube video page <laughs> and uh, go check that out because Matt does not hold back as usual. And you learn and you learn a little bit about me too, but uh, it was a it was a fun time to say the least. So a couple of honorable mentions. We have Pat Jones from Perdomo. Perdomo Pat's in the house. What's up? Thanks for watching the show, Perdomo Pat. Awesome to see you. Dan Thompson from McAuliffe. I love Dan. Uh, he is a, uh, as much as we work with a lot of people in this industry, I consider Dan a personal friend. Uh, so Dan, thank you for being here. Mitchell's here. Mike from Opus X Society is here. Mike, you know, I remember when Mike was just a fan of the show. Now look at him. He's He's got a nice shirt on. He's in the booth. He's taking orders. You know, it was great to see Mike. So, uh, you know, just he's come a long way, and I'm so super, super proud of him. You know, I love Mike. Um, Bill Powers is here. Uh, I thought someone said Mickey Pegg was here. I don't know if that's true. I don't see him commenting. Uh, I hope he's here. Oh, oh, what's that? What's going on? What's that? What's that? Javier Estevez, thank you for being here. Um, Mickey Pegg, yo, 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 he is here. Look at that. Look at that. The, Mickey, uh, what's happening, buddy? The Saint of Cigars is here. That's going to be his new Nicole's name. Nicole's joining Saint us. Of, and Nicole is here as well. Nicole is here. Um, 
I was getting to that. I was going to save that to last, but you know, thanks for blowing oh, up my sorry. spot, Mitchell. Oh, uh, you know, it's all right. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Mitchell. What are you smoking, Matt? Uh, I'm smoking. None of your fucking business. That's what I'm smoking. How about there that? There we go. <laughs> no, I'm smoking. It's a great cigar. Uh, an El Septimo Botticelli from the Sacred Arts Collection. I grabbed this at the trade show. I never had this one, and regardless of what you may think about the brand. It's still my job to smoke everything that's given to me, so here I am, smoking it for the first time. I will say, very oily wrapper. Um, you can even feel it. You know what I mean? Like you pick it up, like I'm just my fingers are all slick and oily. Uh, this is a very oily wrapper. Um, curious to see how that plays out in the smoking experience, with the flavor and all of that. So, what a beautiful band! What mm. a beautiful band! Right there. Look at that. Just hanging out it's, in space, collecting. Intergalactic tobacco for everyone. It's sensational. Sensational. Sensational in my face hole. Sensational in your mouth pipe. Mm. Sensational for your mouth pipe. Yes. Yes. Well, you're starting to get real deep into the mind of Boofy. You know, you spend a few days Try with him in go. the desert and things happen. You know, that's all <laughs> I can say. Um, but no, you know, hey, look. We went to PCA. The whole team was there. First of all, I want to say this before we get into your specifics about uh, what you know about the show. We, we will. We'll have. We have a whole show, you know, planned about this. Um, you know, I have to say, first and foremost, this was our first year um, having a, a team there. I mean, minus Nicole, but there was four of us there. Um, my friend Matt came along to kind of fill in for Nicole in terms of helping me film and stuff. But you know, these two guys right here. Our full-time team members of Smoking Tobacco, they contribute to the website. As you can see, they're on both of the shows. Um, they, you know, they're not just hanging out. They're not associates. They are inv actively involved in what we do here. And I have to say, you know, first of all, thank you to them, not only for just showing up and doing a great job, but for being here every week and every day. Uh, it means a lot to us. I'm also incredibly proud of them. They did a great job. Um... You know, the way that they cover the show floor. I just want everyone to know, this was their first time on their own covering the trade show floor. People make mistakes. I made mistakes my first year. My coverage, if you go back to PCA 2021, my first trade show coverage, I really went full at it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. But, you know, you give them another year or two, they're going to be magic. I mean, you know, it's, it's all a learning curve. Uh, there's a little bit of nerves there. I get it. My first, hmm, excuse me. My very first trade show interview was Michael Herklotz. PCA, 21, 10 a.m., that first Saturday morning. I'm at Ferry Otego, meeting Herklotz in person for the first time, um, and doing it. And it was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Um, it, it starts to sink in, like, okay, am I, am I, should I really be doing this? And you get nervous, and you're like, am I going to be an idiot? Like, how's this going to go? What if he thinks, you know, and then it just kind of fades away and you just get dialed in, you do it. And those guys did the same thing. I watched them. I mean, yeah, they, I knew they were probably a little nervous, but um, I watched these guys. They covered the floor. They moved. They hustled. They got a lot of stuff done. They did a great job. And I just want to say that I, I the, the thing I highlight the most right out of the gate in the show is that these guys did a great job and we truly appreciate it. And we're so proud to have them on the team. So I just want to say that first and foremost, because I think it's so important. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. Um, you guys did an awesome job. Now, having said that, let's talk about what you guys saw at the trade show. 
uh, and what it is that you guys covered. Um, we got a couple of different things going on here tonight. I have a, I have a couple of gripes. So if you like some negativity and some drama, well, you're going to get some of that. I'm going to just tell you right now. So don't go anywhere because I'm going to say some shit. Uh, we're also going to celebrate some stuff. So there's a little bit of everything going on. But let's uh, let's let's kind of ease into it. Let's start with you guys, and then I will get into my shit. But Mitchell, you go first, and Kevin, you can kind of feed in and back up and kind of come secondary with them. But um, for you guys as a team, you guys went around together. You know what was what were some of, and you don't have to give me a set number, but just tell me like what were com- some of the things that were most memorable from the show floor, products you saw, people you saw, booths you saw, just the things that happened. Um, that you think were the biggest highlights of the trade show? Because I think that's, you know, the first and foremost, that's the thing we should talk about first. Okay, so on the show floor, products I like the most. Um, Again, like a lot of people have been saying, there wasn't like this huge amount of brand new product like we may have had the year before. There was a lot, there was a decent amount of new stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But... uh, yeah, again, as we even mentioned before, the United Scars, um, Adebay Black, and Afonso Grand Selecion. I'd say those two were up there in terms of what I wanted to try. For and sure. very impressed with packaging, presentation, everything. Um, I was actually much more impressed with the Foundation Metapa when I got there than what I thought uh, I would be, and I'm very excited to try that. I've got a sample kind of waiting for me there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think I think those two were some of the better ones. I think in terms of really fun interviews, uh, for me, the Howard G booth was really fun to be in with Ike Taylor and Leon Searcy, just their vibes and Howard G just, they felt really welcoming. They were super fun to be with and I really enjoyed their presence. And uh, Howard was uh, presenting a brand new cigar for golfing. So again, check out our interview with Howard G cigars to check out, to see the, uh, I think it's called the front and back nine. I think that was the name of it, but that booth was just super fun to be in for sure. And then I'd say, an interview for me that really stuck with me that kind of, I don't know. I I feel like they didn't get enough coverage in it. It's whether for whatever reason, but Hoot and Young just being in the presence of Hoot and, you know, Black Hawk Down being such a huge part of like my upbringing. I probably watched the movie like six times as a kid and meeting the actual person who was part of that mission and, you know, the lives he's affected all the all the lives he's affected through all the missions he's done and being able to talk to him and shake his hand and 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 get a cigar from him was like i almost cried but i didn't cry you know what i mean that that it was like it was almost that and i'm not even american like you know it's like i'm canadian it's like this is to do with you know american stuff and and uh it's still just amazing to be in the presence of a person like that um i will say if i may interject for a second because I think this is very important. And this is something that on a personal level I hold very near and dear to me. It's, uh, it's because it's how I was raised. And I don't care. This is not a political thing. All right. And I don't care if you disagree, if you agree with me. It's not even about politics. But when it comes to the military, I mean, they're number one. You know, it's 
I, I have a lot of respect and appreciation for those people. I did not, unfortunately, get to spend time at that booth, but I'm very happy you did. And I'm really yeah. happy that, you know, not that it matters, right? But, you know, like you say, you're a Canadian, right? But that doesn't even matter. But the fact that you still we're, have that. We're allies that, and we're, that, we're that very sense, connected. That sense of, you know, respect and the appreciation for, you know, who he is and, and what happened. Um, yeah. You know, that, that means a lot. Um, and I, I hope to have them on the show um, so we can Same. have that conversation because, uh, and I know even Carney, you know, Carney was on with Lito Jr. the week before and he, his parents, he grew up in Lincoln, Maine and that's where his parents live. And so he's been staying up there and in his town, one of the fallen soldiers from that mission was from there and there's a statue of him there. And he said before the trade show, he's like, I really want some of those cigars so I can bring them back to this town and I can smoke them, and I can give them to some of the people who knew him. And I was like, you know, and if anybody knows how patriotic John is, I mean, yeah, uh, and it was just so I, I, that that is a very special story. And you know, I I always thank the troops whenever I see one, and I think tonight I'm going to say yep. it again, we I we thank all of those who serve in the in the military, you know, because we don't get to have what we have without them. And you know, I've been to some places and I've seen some other countries and. You know, I know how it can be. So I think that's just very important to say. And I don't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to say that. No, for sure. And like I said, I think I think at the end of it, you know, it was amazing meeting all of these wonderful people in the cigar industry and, um, you know, uh, creating bonds beyond that. But uh, that's one that I keep telling the average person whenever they're like, oh, how was your Vegas trip? And I was like, dude, have you ever seen Black Hawk Down? <laughs> And they're like, oh, yeah, I know that movie. I'm like, well, I met the real guy in who did the actual mission. And they're just like, oh, wow, that's that's crazy. And like I said, he was he was just one of the nicest guys, just so down to earth and just really, um, you know, he, he had the passion for cigars as well. It wasn't like he was just kind of like, oh, yeah, cigars are OK. Like he, he really enjoyed cigars. So that was cool mm -hmm. to see as well. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah cool. that was a very humbling interview when we went to that booth. It's just. Yep to hear him talk and you know his input on on the movie and the truth and everything behind the movie and you know how it aligned with what really happened it's just it's humbling is the best is the best word i can put it's so, just it was unbelievable two things to him talk two things first i have to say, so pat nick's actually coming on in two weeks on the smoking tobacco show wednesday nights uh, and he has been on the show before, but he's coming back on in two weeks. So perfect timing. And we're going to smoke 30th anniversary. So it's going to be a great show. Can't wait. Um, second of all, uh, yeah, I mean, I, when you like watching a movie is watching a movie. A movie is not real. It's a movie. It can be based off of a true story. Um, some of them are more accurate than others, but it's still a movie. But when you meet somebody, if you've seen that movie and you've seen the story and, you know, the story is again while it's a movie it's still based on a story of a mission that happened that mission happened and when you meet a guy like that and you know like in the back of your mind like man i know that story like that fucking guy was in that like not the movie lived like it. really lived, lived like really lived that mission like he went he through that it. for real you're just like he saved holy lives. shit doesn't matter what I do in my life i will never be as good as that guy holy shit <laughs> it is insane you know, to to yeah. to to ha to have that, you know, and you know, it props. I mean, you know, that's that's just a hell of a thing to wear in your sleeve. I mean, damn, 
you know, I wish I could have been there for that interview, but at least we got it. We can see it. You know, you can go to Smoking Tobacco and you can watch that interview. So that's cool. Um, yep. What else did you guys see that you guys really enjoyed? Yeah, Kev, what about you? Would you uh, would you see? Oh, I think you're muted. Uh oh, Kevin's muted. I'm muted. There we there go. We go. I mean, for me, you know, it wasn't my first trade show, but I mean, it was really my first trade show to be kind of in the weeds because I know any of you that have seen me there previously, I was, you know, the past two years I worked with Matt Booth. And then prior to that, I was with Alec Bradley before my lovely wife, Barbara, did a much better job in the booth and got me fired. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I think so, I, I I wouldn't sell yourself so so short. you of your duties. I think they just. I think they just. I was relieved of my duties. They wanted. I I don't think it had anything to do with your skill level. I think they just wanted a more beautiful being to be there. Um, <laughs> oh well, I mean, I can't argue with that. She's a hell of a lot more beautiful than I am. So, oh yeah. There, I mean, no question. No question. No question at all that you know, she definitely needed to be there. So yeah, she she. So, you know. so it's all good. But anyway. But. But for me, you know, the, 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 just the overall, like the overall vibe of the show, it's, it's just, you know, talking to these manufacturers and, and everybody seemed, you know, upbeat and happy, happy with the traffic flow. I love you, Barbara. Um, happy with the releases, you know, um, probably one of the ones that kind of struck home to me is the guy that showed a lot of excitement was Miguel Chaudel with Crown Heads. I mean, right. I don't know if there's anybody out there that's like more enthusiastic and excited and, you know, knows all the details and it's just boom, boom, boom. Just, you know, give you all the information about the new cigars that are out there and just the excitement level. I mean, even if you didn't know Crown Heads or didn't know Miguel, you can't leave that booth without being excited. You know, the shop owner, well, I'm going to go buy 10 boxes each of those and bring them into my shop because, you know, this is just, I'm, he's an amazing guy and, you know, makes the product sound phenomenal so yeah now the crown heads had a couple of new things that they showed off at the show one of which i know was they'd brought i believe it's their pca exclusive was a version of the le Petitier, if i remember correctly Correct. and then they brought did they bring their new four kicks mule kick to the show yeah and that was that was interesting it was actually the first time ever that mule kicks has been at the PCA trade show because it usually is released prior to the show. So like that Las was Calaveras one of the neat is. things that Miguel had said, you know, that, hey, this is cool. This is the first time it's ever been here. And there was a lot of excitement about that. And it's a new, you know, it's a new blend. Now, so, and then they brought a new line altogether, I believe, to the show. Is that correct? Lavareda. Lavareda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that is that's a cigar. It's got a uh, uh, kinetic, or yeah, it's got a broadleaf wrapper on it. You know, they've been doing a lot with broadleaf lately. You know, they got broadleaf on that. They got broadleaf. I'm sorry, on that year. one's a shade grown. Yeah. That is a shade Nicaraguan shade grown from Hawaii. Ah, okay, that's I was gonna yeah. say five years. Yeah, I've got I've got my cigars crossed. Yeah, that one was the shade grown Nicaraguan wrapper from the Jalapa region, aged five years before it's rolled. Cause I was gonna yep. say they put a they put a Connecticut broadleaf on the this year's Las Calaveras, which I still haven't gotten yet, but I believe they've shipped this week, um, or they shipped a few weeks ago. Um, I did they put a broadleaf on the Four Kicks Mule Kick? They did not. I don't know why. I don't know why I, don't, I, don't know why one, I thought they one. did. I don't know why I the, thought they um, did. I'm actually I'm actually looking here the uh, Four Kicks this year. 
is an Ecuadorian Sumatra. Oh, okay. Over, and, and then for the first time ever, it actually has Dominican, Dominican tobacco and it. it has a, a Dominican binder and it has a Dominican filler. That's right. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, you know, Crown Heads, really cool releases coming out right now, um, just all around. Um, I, I, I said last year, you know, it's a brand that I was always kind of familiar with, but last year and the year before were kind of the years I got really into them. And I smoked like everything they made, and I smoked all the new stuff. I smoked all the old stuff. Juarez, I like the war. The Juarez is a good cigar for the price, uh, more budget friendly, but it's a great cigar. The Four Kicks, uh, the Mule Kick, Las Calaveras is a fan favorite all around. Um, Mil Diaz, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, first of all, I like the Mil Diaz, but I can tell you how many times I hear people talking about when they say Crown Heads, they sell Mil Diaz. I mean. That is a very, you know, from what I see, a very popular cigar. You know, and they just, they have so many hits right now. Le Petitier, um, I enjoyed the one that came out in 21, I believe. When it came out, came out with like a, like a brown ribbon on the foot, no band. Um, which I think was yeah. Like that was the first. That was the first iteration of it. It was like what, right. like a six and a half by like forty four or forty eight or something like that. I liked that one. Um, sorry, it's been a long day at the office for us. Um, it's uh, that was a good one. And then last year they kind of came out and they expanded it, and I was happy to see that. And then you know, in addition to all of that, um. You got everything that Tim's doing over there. Did you? I don't know if you guys got to really interact with Tim at all at, at Crown Heads, but um, we weren't able to talk to Tim. But he, we did see a couple. It's a new, um, what was it? The new red for the uh, synesthesia line. I okay. Think was the color? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said it because I, I can't pronounce that word. Yes, Mitch- synesthesia. Mitchell is synesthesia. our, our in house pronunciator. Dude, funny, funny side note. I think I had like three people of the trade show when I pronounced their names. They were like, wow, thank you for actually pronouncing my name correctly. <laughs> and I was like, you're welcome. I, you know, when you tell me your name and, the, and like I listen to it, I'm like, that's how you pronounce it. It's that easy. Well, Mitchell's, but, Mitchell's also Canadian, so he can't watch. I speak names. French. I speak Italian. So it's yeah, uh, he's yeah. good. He, he knows how to speak, which is he knows what he's talking about. Eh? He a does. A, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Eh? Look at Alan on the roof there. Look at, eh? look at Alan Rubin over here. What's everyone smoking at? Like, like he's trying to hijack the ho- the host the host job. Like, oh, what's everyone got going on? Like, Alan, that's my job. Don't take my job. <laughs> look at that up here. But anyway, he's just trying to help. I know he is. He's he's he's. <laughs> Alan Alan is like a I don't know what it is, but Alan has become like somehow a permanent part of this show, much to Coop's dismay. Um, but he he is, you know, and it's like it wouldn't be a show if he wasn't here. Uh, <laughs> Alan, you know, sometimes I don't think you realize when I give when I give you a hard time. It's I'm just giving you a hard time. I don't care. <laughs> we actually got to see Alan at the trade show. I know. Got to see Alan in all his glory. Time. I know, and it's funny. He talks. We I talked to him more on this show through, via the comments than I saw him at the booth. I saw him at the booth. He said like a couple of things to me, and I moved on. And then like he comes on the show, and I feel like I talk to him more than ever. So it's like <laughs> I don't know. If you want to talk to Alan, you got to come to the show because he'll talk to you more on here, um, which is interesting. Um, but anyway, sorry. Enough about that. Coop's not here, so I can I can engage with Alan tonight. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Crown Heads is a booth that, you know, I've, I've, I've always enjoyed going to last year. I had the opportunity to, to chat with John Huber and we talked about a lot of things. So, um, you know, and you guys got to talk to Miguel. This Miguel, I love to death, but he's a great guy and Kevin, I know you know him pretty well. So, um, I was, I that's one of the booths I was looking forward to, you know, kind of seeing, you know, what, what was there and how you guys did. Cause that, that is like a, um, a top of the list so to speak, booth for me um, in terms of covering the show, just because I know they always kind of have some stuff going on. So the, you never want to love the Lavareta, The packaging is like um, it's so sleek. Like it's got this really, really high end look to it that I don't think a lot of like a lot of the crowned heads lines are very playful in in nature. Like a lot of them have some form of like theme to them, and they tend to be colorful and playful. And this one is just like black and gold. It's so sleek coming out of Ernesto's factory like I am I hope I, I can't I can't wait to try it I have like I have a sample I'm really excited for the love rate for sure well I mean it's marketed as their most expensive and elegant cigar to date I mean just the, yeah. the whole thing I mean it's it's made to be you know super polished super premium yeah. excellent everything so so is it I definitely just, can't wait to taste that is it just me though and maybe this was kind of done intentionally and I don't know if you guys know where I'm going with this um, and if you do, then you already have confirmed my suspicion is true. But when I look at that cigar and I look at the band, I look at the V, what do I It think? looks like the Garros. There it is. Yeah. So it's not just no, me. It's, it's not just no, me. No, of course. It's a, it looks like a direct <laughs> homage, as you could say, to the Cuban brand Vigueros. Yeah. For sure. Like, like, yeah. Um, Which I'm not complaining. I think it's great because there's going to be people who recognize that and then they're going to see that cigar and they can't no, get Vigueros, so they're going to buy that. And I think that's part of it is like the Vigueros line has a little bit of that elegance look, but this kind of brings it to the next level, right? I think in my opinion. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's not like the name is not similar. The blend is obviously not going to be similar, but yeah, it it does like a lot of new world brands do take, uh, take pieces from the marketing of, of Cuban brands and and again kind of almost give homage like a lot of crown head stuff give homage to to many other things you know music um and, which and is one like of the that. things i love about crown heads is they they do yeah. so many homages. A, yeah um, well they're fresh pack they're fresh pack this year from the juarez line you know yeah. they have it's 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 uh uh parade of bulls you know uh yeah. shout out the rage against the machine there and then of exactly. course the new size in that is called ferdinand that's you know an homage to the story of Ferdinand the Bull. So, I mean, it's pretty cool how they yeah. tie a story it's... to to the cigar and just, you know, you create way more interest or a, you might create interest in it that didn't exist before just because of a reference. So, I mean, that exactly. is a great marketing strategy. Very, very true. Very, very true. Um, moving on from Crown Heads, not that I wouldn't want to talk about them all night, but we got to move on to other things. Um Kevin, is there is there anybody else that was really high on your list before I kind of jump into what's next? There was one more, and it was actually a small booth. And ironically, when we went by to interview him on on uh, the last day of the show, they had just dropped off. This uh, wildfire cigars. <laughs> you know, he actually he actually won best in show for small booth. And I mean, it, just talk about a simplistic booth. I mean, it was picnic table with little animal statues, a couple plastic trees, and a travel trailer, just like. Full, a full on camper, just a, a literal full and on camper. So good, yeah. And it, it was, was just, great. it was just, 
it was just epic. And just to walk up, you know, to interview him literally just after they dropped off that award, you know, his, the, the emotions there and everything was, was super high. And it was just, it was fun. I have yet to smoke the cigar. I know he has history, I believe with Caldwell, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to be real interesting. I've heard great things about the cigar and I can't wait to try it. So now I don't know if you remember, but I have a video of him. Um, how do I say this? Working the stripper pole. pole. Yeah. Pole, da- pole dancing That's in room 101 booth. At, grinding at the that pole. Just grinding that just pole. Just working the like, pole. Like it was his job. Like that it was, was disturbing. his job. And if you watch, you just see Matt's face just kind of come into Zoom like, and then come back out. And he just gives you that yes like look that Matt has. And it's a great video. And then Abe Froman from Embargo Cigars in Arizona, um, he kind of pokes through the curtain like, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, shit, Boofy's doing a thing. I'm out of here. Um, it, it's, it's didn't great, we shower him with the cash cannon? I didn't. I didn't. But I, think, I, think I, I think I did. I think I, I, think I uh, gave him a, a shower of hundreds with Matt's cash cannon. Well, the they, thing weren't is, real. they weren't real, of course, but no, no, it's no, all no, about no. effect. It's all about the movie magic. Uh, but no, but you know what's interesting is uh, you still had that cash cannon, and we actually went and brought it to Matt. <laughs> we did. The show. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't think General was going to let those shenanigans fly, but that's okay. <laughs> um, he was still there, so that was cool. Um, <clears throat> one he of did the... do a great interview with Mitch. I, I will say that. Mm. If you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. I mean, I look, going into the trade show, I had told Kevin and I said, look, I've I've done this rodeo several times, and you know Matt. You've worked with Matt in the booth. I'm like, Matt's had enough of me and you. Let's let the new guy get in there and get his hands dirty, and he did. And, you know, oh, and here we go. Here we go. Look who's here. Please say more about how good Room 101 is. Don't ever stop saying it, courtesy of Shadow One. Hello, Shadow One. So we meet again. Um... You know, one of these days I'm going to find out who it is. I swear. I'm going to find out who it is, and I'm going to keep it to myself. Smoking. I'm not going to expose it. I just want to know. S- smoking it to the nub, man. This is delicious. That's a secret that Matt Booth will take to his grave. Mm-hmm. I know. But anyway, Matt put him through the ringer. And uh, while Mitchell, you know, couldn't really do much, he essentially was like a dog that drowned in the ocean, just paddling for nothing while the water consumed him. Um, he took it like a man and he just let himself drown. So, you know, <laughs> that's really all you can do in that situation. So job well done. Um, Matt got the best of you. You got, you got boofed and, uh, you move on and that's it. It's a good time. Yeah. It's always a great time. And if you For didn't, parties. and if you did not enjoy that forceful penetration of information and charisma, then you shouldn't even be here. So, um, I'm taking it that you did. You loved it, and that's why you decided to stick around. Uh, it was sensational, to say the least. But enough about Matt. I know Shadow One's here, and what, Shadow, you should hang what, around. But what booths did you did you love, Matt? I know you were on a very different quest than us. We we kind of had a lot of those medium. This is a, a few big booths, but medium to smaller size booth, and you were you were you were bumping with the big dogs. Well, you know. It was uh, it was a busy show, and there was a lot to see. And and, and yes, I did cover more of those just because I felt um, it would it would just kind of be easier for you guys if I did. 
um, for your first run. You know, I, I didn't want to put you guys uh, kind of too crazy. So I kind of gave it to you a little easy just so you could, you know, get used to it. But, yeah, no, I mean, you know, th but, but look, here's the thing with the bigger booths, right? And, and I'll explain why just since Mitchell brought that up. Um, the bigger booths, the bigger companies, you know, you talk about J.C. Newman, Arturo Fuente, Gorka, Padron, um, the the big boys, right? Um, Actually, we cover Oliva. Oliva, yes, we cover Oliva. We covered Oliva. It was just me and Coop, I believe, that covered Oliva. I don't think anyone hashtag, else. Hashtag. And, and Half Wheel, and Half Wheel, because um, <clears throat> they cover everybody. Um, they uh, look the bigger booths are just they're more complicated. They take a lot more time. Um, and because they're bigger and because there's a lot more going on and it takes a lot more time, you know, a lot of times there's certain key people that you need to meet with. And, you know, these guys haven't really met all of those big key people, those big companies, and it would have taken them a lot longer. And rather than do that, you know, it just made more sense that I go in there and do that. And because they took so many more of the smaller and medium sized booths, uh, I still had I still had like 50 booths or so that I went to but i was able to take more time at these bigger booths that do eat up more time for example you know there's a, a smaller booth might run you like 20 minutes maybe it runs you 30 at tops you know some of these big booths you know we're in there for over an hour uh and that's a lot of time especially on the trade show floor that's a lot of time and but and unfortunately sometimes you have to spend that time just because of the nature of the beast with some of those bigger booths i mean you know we spent over an hour and a half at arturo fuente you know, um, I interviewed Carlito. I interviewed Aaron Sigmund. Um, I talked to Jose. You know, we look at all the product. Like, there's a, there's a lot going on there versus you go to, um, like, when you guys went to Wildfire. Great guy. Nothing bad about it. But it's obviously there's a lot smaller and a lot less there. So, you know, you kind of get in and get out easier. And it's one guy, right? So, um, th there there's a lot. And it is kind of a different animal. And, you know, for me, the exciting ones... Uh, selected Tobacco being one of them. Um, you know, I met up with Oliver and Nelson from Selected Tobacco, and um, it's always exciting to see them. I had them on my list, and we're actually we're going to talk about we the team had made a prediction. Uh, each of us had submitted together five boots that we felt were the most you know anticipated to see, and then we averaged them out, and it was on SmokingTobacco.com on our on our pre-show article that I wrote of what to expect. Uh, I did an averaged out of kind of what everyone said because three of the names on that list, everybody said, and then, like, the other two were, I think, two people said. and um, So they are all pretty close, to be honest with you. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But Selected Slash United Cigar, once again for 2022, was the number one most anticipated booth to see at Smoking Tobacco. Um and it was exciting to see the the Grand Selection uh, was shown in the Alfonso line, uh, the ten year age out of a uh, Diosis, right? Yeah, the Diosis uh, was shown, and that's very interesting. Mitchell actually already had smoked that cigar uh, from the trade show when we were still in Las Vegas, and we can get his opinion on that in a second. Um, the NFT Black Rito, so United it's slash selected was the first company to do a cigar NFT. However, when they did it, they did it as a traditional NFT, but they promised if this becomes tangible later on, you'll get the rights to it and all that. LFD was the first one to come out of the gate and have a tangible system where you got an NFT, but you also had all this other stuff that came with it. So 
just to kind of be clear and specific on that. But the Black Ritos NFT cigar was present at the trade show, and it is now going to be available to the NFT owners as well as United um, United or Selected Tobacco Lounges or United United Lounges, um, the key lounges. So not just a United retail, anyone who has a United branded lounge, like the Atave Lounge, the Byron Lounge, a Red Anchor Lounge, those people will get it as well. So <clears throat> uh, very exciting to see that and obviously very excited to try it. Um, now, what I will say is, uh, and actually, let me back up for a second. So on the um, Atabe Diosis, the 10-year aged, Nelson's Alfonso, uh, Nelson's Atabes go through a post-roll of five years. So what they did was, is he decided, let's take this particular one. They took a small amount of them, and they said, let's just let them sit another five. And it's a one-time run deal. Um, from what I understand, there's not more coming. This is this is something Nelson did almost as an experiment, and then he had the cigars, so it's like, well, let's sell them. Um, but this is really all they have. So this is really the first and only time that there's this 10-year age product from them. Um, I have not smoked it yet, but I know Mitchell has. And Mitchell, if you want to provide us with your thoughts, I don't know what you thought. Uh, does, did that extra five years of age, you know, how, how much did it change for you based on kind of the other Atabays that you've had in the past? Was it a noticeable change? Was it a subtle change? Because um, I know you're the only one I know that's really smoked it, so... Yeah, from, from my take of it, again, I assume they're doing their aging in what they do most of their aging in, which is their special cedar rooms with multiple different cedars where they go high and low. They might not do the whole humidity thing while that extra five years, but it's probably in those extremely... Uh, my guess my guess, my guess, guess is the process is entirely the same. He just extended yeah. it, but you're right. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Who knows? he didn't do that. Um, but I assume it's in the cedar room. There is definitely, I'd say, a deeper, richer complexity within the cigar. Um, one of the things I really liked about the original Atabe is it does have, um, to me, like a, a lot of natural sweetness to it. That falls a bit to the background with the more age, but there is definitely more complexity within the woody notes um, and the retro hail as well becomes definitely more complex and a little bit deeper in notes. That's what what I noticed. Um, strength wise, still pretty similar. I wouldn't say it like became like so light. Like it's already a pretty mild to medium cigar. Um, so yeah, that it, it's is it better or worse? It's different, and depends what you're looking for out of the cigar. The Atabay is already an amazing cigar. One of my favorite Connecticut shade wrap cigars. So, yeah, if you're looking for a bit more of a complex and, to me, slightly richer experience, the Atabay Tenure offers that. But to trade off, you kind of get a little bit less of the sweetness. Um, but it's still there. So that's what I found. What's interesting to me is they're also charging the same amount for the Tenure age versus the standard five-year aged geosis which is crazy because you would think oh such a such an older vintage right such a you know it's a longer you know but no they they charge the same you would think they would charge more uh but they didn't so first of all i'm impressed by that and you know i props to them because hey anytime you can pay less money is great 
Um, but yeah, and the other thing too is remember, the longer you age cigars, I mean, in theory, you know, you could keep cigars, you know, provided they're in the right, you know, environment, and you know they're they're well treated and all that, and they're properly humidified. Yeah, I mean, you can keep cigars almost essentially forever, right? Um, there's you still got people out there who are smoking pre-embargo Cuban cigars. Uh, what I will say though is, while it's probably not as extreme on on a ten-year age cigar, but you know, remember, the longer you you let them sit. I mean, the more and more and more they're going to just continue to mellow down and mellow out. The nicotine strength starts to slowly go away. Um, you know, personally, I feel like when you have a, when you have age vintage cigars, you know, five years is a great time. Five years yeah. is, a, is a lot of age for it to really round itself out and get perfect. But then it's also like at that point, I mean, it's ready to smoke. I mean, in smoking, it's going to be perfect. And then, you know, the longer you kind of go after that, um, the only, I mean, not that it, not that the cigar will suck, but you know, you will notice the longer it goes, you, you'll, you'll just lose a little bit more depending on how much further it goes. So like I, I have some, I have some Byron's in here that uh, in my personal collection, Mitchell, I gave you one that, mm -hmm. um, are, are from the 2019 release. Now those cigars were also aged five years. Um, so they were rolled in 2014. They've been sitting in a Byron humidor. Uh, inside of a, a cabinet humidor pretty much ever since. Well contained, um, but in their original box with the cedar from the aging room that they age in. Um, so, I mean, that cigar is almost a 10-year cigar, and you smoke that one, and uh, and I know it probably rocked your socks off, but it's probably still maybe just a little bit softer than it was when I first bought them. So, um, But again, not that it's bad, but you will notice changes. Um the longer they continue to age. So yeah, I actually have some of those Byron's as well. And it's like, I haven't smoked any, I don't think I've smoked one since I initially got the box. It'd be real interesting to see what those taste like now compared to, you know, 2019 when they were, when they were new. Yeah. I mean, but they will change. Listening to Mitch though. I, I know what my day starter is going to be tomorrow. What's it going to be? Atabadiosis. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. It was my first cigar of the day. I, I made sure for it to be that, and so I had a fresh palate. And although a large Vitola, it smoked great to the nub. Um, that's the one thing I think sometimes age can do is sometimes cigars can get a little muddled during that last third. And, uh, you know, if it's not aged fully, fermented fully, or something of, of the sorts, and I, I found it just... There was a journey. It was definitely a journey through the entire cigar, and all the flavors were very, very enjoyable. So, now I will say, Mitchell did. I can verify because I was with him when he did it. He did smoke that as his first cigar of the day. The only downside to that is his first cigar of the day was at like twelve o'clock at night. <laughs> so it was late. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So how does that count as the? Well, I mean, I guess technically it's he the didn't first smoke cigar that day. day. You didn't smoke. You didn't smoke the last day of the show. All day? No. No. Wow. Neither, did, neither did I. We were busy. Actually, no, I take was, that back. By the last, the day, last day. By the by the la it was yeah, it was the second to last day. By the second to last day, I normally don't smoke on the show floor. And the reason is because as much as I love to smoke, it just I've just learned it kind of gets in the way for what we do. Like, you know, you get the microphones and you're doing stuff and you go to another booth and then you have a cigar, and then you get the guy who goes, Ah, you gotta smoke my cigar in the booth. Then you gotta put that cigar out to start another cigar to go to the next booth to have the guy do the same. And I'm like, you know what? Just fuck the cigar. Like, I'm just, let's do this and focus. Um, but by the last, by the second to last day, 
uh, the middle of the day, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't care anymore. I, we've got most of the show in the bag. I want a cigar now. And I walked around the rest of the show, and I had a cigar. But, uh, yeah, Mitchell kind of was in that same boat. And so I remember that night, we were like, he was like, dude, like, I want to go have a cigar. Like, we didn't smoke all day. And I was like, I know. And we were late getting out of the room, but we made it down there. And it was almost midnight, but he was like, this is the cigar I'm going to smoke. I'm going to smoke an eight-and-a-half-inch cigar right now. There you and go. I said, wow, go for it. And he did. And he enjoyed that cigar. There you go. Hey, my, my uh, good friend Alex asked a question. He says, is there a specific tobacco that loses more of its flavor than any other? Great question. Great question. Kevin, I'll let you run with that. You know, I mean, in my experience, I guess, guess with them, I mean, I mean, I haven't, I haven't been in the industry really long enough to have cigars that are totally as I guess you would say aged out. Um, I mean, probably the two that I've, that I've had that you can actually tell a distinct difference in from day one or right off the truck versus six months to two or three years would be, I mean, some of the Habanos that I have, they definitely lose a lot of their, a lot of their power, a lot of their punch and, you know, shade grown Connecticut. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, they get, yeah. they get super mellow to where, you know, it's almost like, well, they're already in air. They're already on the mild side. So they don't have a lot of beef to them to begin with. So, you know, yeah. when you start to lose it, you're already losing the little bit that you have. Um, I would say, yeah. <sighs> I had a cigar one time that, while it wasn't bad, I knew, like, this has just been around for too long. And it was an original Camacho um, that Christian Oroa made from the Oroa days of Camacho before it was sold to Davidoff. And it was a Camacho 18, uh, 1118 Liberty Series in a coffin. And I want to say, I actually smoked it with Christian. Um, and... We were talking about it, and I, I said, "And do you know how how old the specific one is?" And he looked at the the coffin and the cigar, and he said, "If I had to guess, I'd say 2005, 2004-ish." Um, and I smoked that cigar in 2020, 21. Um, so I mean, that cigar was, you know. Not quite, but almost pushing 20 years. Um, and it wasn't a strong blend to begin with, so to speak, um, you know, relatively. Um, I noticed in the beginning it was definitely a little musty. Uh, it was mm-hmm. well kept. It was well kept, but it was still, I mean, it, it was, you know, that the, the, the tissue, the white tissue paper, you know, it came, you know, in the twist with the, yeah. the tissue paper was just yellow just yellow and that was a bright crispy white when it went in there so i mean it, it, you, and part of that is the oils so when the cigars sit in the age you know one of the things is you and you see people take the cellophane they twist the cellophane they like oh i'll call brown the cellophane is the cigar is old well part of that what that is is that coloring that yellowy brownish color that you see come off when anything that's wrapped on a cigar that's been around for a long time that's the oils from the tobacco that are leaving the cigar and you know the first thing they touch is what's wrapped around the cigar so then the, that begins to turn brown it's it's taking the brown oils and all that stuff is coming out of the cigar and onto this other thing that you take off and throw away then you smoke the cigar well you're smoking that cigar with all those less of oils on the cigar now so i mean things like that come into play as well and you know that's why you had the argument some people say you know leave them in cellophane 
And then you have other people who say, take the cellophane off if they're going to sit for a while. So that way when the oils come off the cigar, it kind of just goes into the box and kind of still permeates or, or it goes into the other cigars in the box and it just kind of stays within each other. I mean, you got people who say all different things, but that's essentially kind of what it is. So, I mean, you got to look at that kind of factor as well. It's just, you know, the oils that leave um, will have an effect on the flavor. And the longer the cigar sits, the more the oils are released out of the tobacco. <laughs> so um, that definitely plays a role in it, too. Um, but, yeah, no, this is, you know, it's very interesting. I mean, all around. We could we could do a whole show on this. I was going to say we could do a whole show on that topic. And it's like where it's hard to say, I mean, in my opinion, you have to have smoked it originally and then smoked it aged out, which I mean that you know limits my experience with a lot of them because you know I've only been around for about the past seven years, so yeah, and I and I had never smoked that Camacho Liberty back in two thousand five. You know, I yeah. was ten years old at, at eleven years old at the time. I was not smoking cigars, so I don't know. I only got to smoke a cigar that had been sitting around for almost seventeen years, and then being like, oh wow, this is cool. Um. So you're right, Kevin. That's and that's that's definitely valid to really know the difference. You have to have smoked both, but you know, even if you haven't, if you've been around and you've smoked enough of them, and event and within time, some you know some people will um, on those cigars, and some of them are better than others. And again, a lot of it has to be, depend on how they were kept during that entire time. Um, but you can usually kind of just taste it and know, like, oh, this cigar is old just because of the way it tastes and the way it performs. Um, so very, very interesting. If you ever get the opportunity to smoke something like that, I implore you to just do so, regardless of whatever the cigar is. I mean, hopefully it's a good cigar to begin with, but uh, just try it. Just so you kind of know what you know a really old cigar tastes like, because uh, it is. It's it's a it's a cool thing to kind of just have in your palate. Um, so one of the things I want to hit on is, as I mentioned before, we had all submitted five booths that we were most anticipated to see. Um, I'm going to start with Kevin and then we'll go to you, Mitchell. And I just want you guys to talk about, you know, remembering back to what those five cigars were. Um, I mean, the five booths were rather. Oh, wait a minute. Now I got to go find my list. Oh, here we go. Here we go. See, I mean, chill prep. I think you can go All to right. Mitch first. Cause I actually don't remember exactly what I said. So I got to, Mitch, oh, I don't you, remember I my list either. Oh, you guys don't remember. That's a shame. Well, I will go first. So the five that I had, and I was going to say, remember the five that you had, and then did they live up to the hype? So for me, as I said, the first one was United, and I think we've already clearly covered that. And just for the sake to save you guys time, they both had United as well. So that one's already out. The other one I had was DTT, and I'm pretty sure that both of them had DTT as well. Steve Saka came to the show this year, and he had a lot of stuff. So let's talk DTT. I hit the DTT booth, but these guys kind of know what happened there. Um, yep. First of all, two unicorns. And these two unicorns are outside of the standard unicorn blend that he uses. And he did a unicorn in Mikarita Black and Sober Mesa Blue. And they each came in a set of ten, which I believe Sokka said is actually going to be trimmed down to a set of seven, if I remember correctly. Um, instead of the ten-count coffin case it's going to be seven um for both of them mikarita black nice beautiful piano black coffins that they came in and then obviously p piano polished blue um for the silver mesa blue 
those are exciting to see. And it's just, it's another one of those things that Socket just kind of drops these things. And it's like, look at this. Crazy. Everybody wants it. He definitely knows how to push a product. That was kind of fun. The big thing that I thought was interesting was he's doing a wide national release of Red Meat Lovers Club. And he even added a couple sizes to it. And those will be shipping soon. It was previously uh, an event exclusive and exclusive to Smoke In. I think it was Smoke. Was it, it was exclusive to Smoke In, right? Um, and now it's going to be nationally released. So DTT purveyors will have the opportunity to carry Red Meat Lovers Club, with the exception of two of the sizes. And specifically, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know two of them will remain exclusive. And then four sizes will be nationally distributed. So that'll be interesting to see more of those go out. And I know I, th um, I think Mitchell smoked one of those at the show. I did. Um, yeah. So then in addition yeah, to that, that, then in addition to that, Mikarita Black, Saka Khan, which we saw last year, Saka has introduced a smaller size called the Papa Saka, which I'm sure many people already heard about because he's been posting about everything on social media every day for the last six months. So people knew it was coming. Um, those are going to be going out as well as I believe with that, Another run of the bigger the Saka Khan, the original Mikarita Black, will also be going out um, as well. So you had those. I think that's the regular production moving forward. Well, last year, Saka Khan was introduced, and Saka had said it was around 4,000 boxes were made, and it was a limited release. But that by next year, it would be more of a regular production going forward. So, yes, I believe now it's going to be... Um, yeah, that's my understanding. It's a reg it's going to be a regular release. It is now, but when it or, first or a dropped, limited it was, release. It was somewhat limited. I mean, he made almost four thousand yeah. boxes, which is a decent amount, if you ask me. But um, yes, it's more regular production now. So we got to see that. So I mean, you know, he also had his he had these little cutters there that he was working on too. And I know he's posted about this on social media, but he has these little single guillotine DTT cutters um, that are very similar to a Drew Estate cutter from way back in the day that I've seen him use um, even up to like last year. And I'm almost positive that's where he got the inspiration from. Um, pull pad It comes up. with an extra blade. It comes with an extra blade. The blades are changeable, which is nifty. And yeah, I like that. That's, that's crazy. I've never seen that in a cutter before where you can replace the blade. I know. And that's definitely a selling point. Um, pull Petta. If you're a DTT follower and you know, uh, Pulpetta is a small cigar, also known as the Meatball Cigar, um, which I believe was originally heavily influenced by David Garofalo's Meatball Contest that Saka won three times at Two Guys Smoke Shop, Salem, New Hampshire. Shout out. Um, head over to twoguyscigars.com now for all of your cigar needs. Um, the That's the number two, guyscigars.com. Uh, that is now becoming a regular production that's getting a full release. I believe it's in 20-count boxes. The boxes were cool, like blue with a gold lettering on them. They're awesome. But in their place, so those are no longer the event-exclusive cigar. And now he has two Mikairitas in more of an A-style format in a twin coffin that are now the kind of the replacement as the event-exclusive um, Dunbarton cigar. Um, which, if you ask me, when I see Saka release, you know, two A-length cigars in a double coffin, you know, with a dark wrapper, I start thinking about, oh, only at events. Gee, that sounds very familiar to another company that he used to work for. Um, <laughs> not that it's a bad thing. Not that it's a bad... I, look, I love it. I You know, I'm excited. I love his stuff, and I love 
DE stuff, but you can't help but wonder, like, wow, it's like Liga A. <laughs> you know, it's like, gee, I wonder where you got that idea from. So uh, it's funny. You look at Steve's releases and you and you notice that there's a lot, there's a lot of things that are similar to DE. It's like he was the president of that company. Or something no, before. and it's like, you know, hey, look, some people work for companies, they leave, and then they they do completely different things, and then Steve, you know, kind of was like, I'm gonna do my own thing, but it's also gonna be kind of based on what I know. But you know what, you can't knock him for it either. I mean, it's look, it's a business model that he previously worked with, and it worked for you know when he was over there, and he he used that that he learned, and he when he started his own company, he's like, look, like this is what I know, and he kind of rolled out similar but very different. Um, things with his own company and you know if it works for him it's not a bad thing I mean it's you know I, I just think it's you know kind of funny but um, but no if it works for him then 100% um, it's just it's just cool to kind of pick up on all those little easter eggs if you've if you've been following along long enough um, so I mean again I mean that booth was packed and we walked into that booth day one there was like and I'm not I'm not exaggerating there was like 25 30 people standing in that booth I mean it was packed it was packed, and the whole time I was walking by that booth after, it was packed. Um, well, that I, was actually going to bring me to to the thing where I had talked to Dave Lafferty after the show, and he said their day one at this year's PCA surpassed their sales numbers for the entire show last year. Yeah. So I mean, that just shows you how crazy and how busy that booth was and how popular and, and you know, how the growth. DTT the growth. is blowing up. Oh, yeah. I mean yeah. – I mean, that's massive. I mean, you know, a, a, an increase is, is expected, I think, from year to year, but literally to surpass an entire show's, you know, sales revenue in one day, that's amazing to me. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Look, whether you like Steve, if you don't like Steve, doesn't matter. The fact is, when you look at this stuff on paper, you see the cigars he puts out, and they sell. I talk to a lot of retailers. There are, there's a lot of retailers that I know very personally and I have these conversations with and I ask, like, how does this brand do? How does this brand do? How does this brand do? You know, part of, you know, it's not, we don't just talk to the manufacturers. We talk to a lot of retailers because they're also the first line of, you know, like, okay, you can put out a cigar that's cool and it's, you know, $25 and everybody's like, oh, wow, I want that. But you ask the retailer, but are people buying it? How does it move? When I ask about Steve Saka, I don't think I've ever had a retailer tell me, eh, it does all right. It's always like I can't keep them on the shelf. Yeah, I can't mean, get enough. I, I mean, and, and, and there's other brands that they say, LFD, you know, can't keep it on the shelf. Another cigar that's in high demand, uh, been around longer, bigger portfolio, a lot more going on there. But, you know, DTT in its short history has gotten to the ranks of some of these brands that are just like, I, we just can't keep it on the shelf. I mean, Saka Khan shipped to retailers, and I know several retailers that got it, and it was gone within the first few hours that they received it in the building. Um, it was just gone. I mean, um, so you, you look at you know what Kevin said, and you look at the amount of stuff that Steve brought this year versus last year, uh, in addition to all of the core stuff that he already had available, and you start taking orders on your core stuff, and then all this extra new stuff. People are like, I want those, I want those, I want those. We definitely want all those. Give me all the sizes. Um, it's very easy to see how someone could do something like that, you know, when he has all this ammunition, so to speak. And, you know, he markets himself really well. He goes on social media. He, you know, he, he hypes it up. Some people love it. Some people don't. But the fact of the matter is he, does, he, di he did what he did. He does what he does. And that happened. And, you know, that's a win. That's a win for DTT. They're growing. 
they're on the rise. And, you know, another 10 years, who knows? Who knows where that's going to be? And I can only imagine, you know, if he keeps going. Yeah, I expect going. to see them in a bigger booth at the uh, next trade show. And if, if not next year in Vegas, definitely when they go, we go to NOLA in 25, I expect to see them in a bigger booth because he literally is outgrowing where he's at. Yeah, you know, he, he, he definitely has. Hey, don't talk about Steve's size like that. He's a he's a beautiful man. Well, you know, <laughs> that booth is getting tight. He's getting so popular that I mean, you walk in that booth, there's just no room to move around. So, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's also going to drop another holiday blend in the Stillwell Star for 2023. Um, I actually was able to, to sample a... Um, a smelling of some of the pipe tobacco that's being used and it's a little bit different the first year was very warm cinnamon sugar uh almost like fresh cookies out of the oven um last year's similar a little more sweeter this year's was very fruity a lot of cherry and raspberry um fruity sweet forward on the nose um, so again, it's, I'm very excited about that. You know, that's still well, star line is, is interesting. It's, it's different. Um, I don't think it's the first time it's been that whole pipe tobacco has been played around with obviously, but Steve's just kind of gotten it down to his specific format that really works. And I think it's just, it's a product that obviously works because every retailer I know is also sold out of all of those. I mean, the holiday ones came in last year and I tried to get one and I waited one day. I called my retailer. I said, Hey, by the way, they're already gone. I'm like, that's it, that's it. They're gone. I'm like, well, fuck you. Soon as you lose. Yeah, I mean, I, so I mean, you can't, you can't argue with that. You know, you you can't. So if you don't like the cigars, and they're not for you, that's one thing. But I mean, you know, you can't argue with the fact that other people are buying them. So I mean, that's another one that on the list. Um, I think almost everyone had, and it lived up to the hype. The next... I found the list. Oh, you okay. did? Okay. I did find the list. What do you so, got? So, I had. Tatuaje, Aganorsa Leaf, United Selected, DTT, and Perdomo. Okay. Mitchell. So, yeah, you I had, had United, you had, DTT, Epic, Tatuaje, and Foundation. Yep. So we covered United, we covered DTT. The other one that we all had on our list, including me and Nicole, was. Um, because Nicole's Nicole also put a list together, and hers was also very similar, and I can't remember what her different way. Every it's almost like everyone had three of them the same. The Probably fourth, tat. the fourth one was I think almost the same. There was some slight difference, and then everyone had like a different fifth one. Um, and I can't remember what Nicole's list was off the top of my head, but I remember that her again her list was mostly the same for the first three as well. Um, but Tatuaje, uh, with the announcement of their NFT plus. Um, a couple other things, and even more that we didn't even realize until we got to the show. First of all, the big thing with them is their NFT, right? Oh, that's right. Nicole said forged. Nicole's other one was forged, which is also an interesting one for several reasons, and we'll cover that in a second. Um, but Tatuaje had, right before the show, unveiled um, that they're really they're finally releasing their Anarchy NFT that they're doing with Abe from Smoke In, uh, which is crazy and it's cool, and we got to see it, and it's badass. Humidor is a giant triangle, folds down. It's awesome. You guys are going to love it. Um, that obviously brought a lot of attention. After we saw what happened with the LFD NFT last year, you know, seeing someone else kind of do something similar, slightly different, more pieces to it, um, 
But, you know, almost on the same idea, it's like, all right, well, we know how that one went. Tatawahe is another one of those brands with a cult following. There's going to be people who go for this, right? It was cool to see. They got each one will also come with its own ashtray, piece of physical artwork, as well as digital artwork. Um, a line two, an SD DuPont line two. So there's one of one line twos <coughs> coming out, which is insane to think about. And a Zycar perfect cut cutter that's also unique to each NFT. So there's a lot more pieces with it, um, which is cool to see. And, I, and you guys, I know, got to see it because we were at the Tatuahi booth a lot during the show um, because we had somebody <coughs> who worked at that booth who we were commonly seen with. So um, Yeah, imagine imagine that, somebody, somebody that might be related to. Mm, I know. I know. I was trying to be low-key about it, but. <laughs> Barbara, Barbara worked the booth, so we were there a lot. Um, but no, um, you, so you guys saw it. I mean, it, it's 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 one of those pieces that stands out. But then, you know, in addition to that, I and mean, that alone brought in a lot of attention. But then, you know, Pete's also celebrating, as well as my father. Um, they're both obviously celebrating 20 years. So Pete had his 20th anniversary cigars on display um, at the booth, which is. Very cool to see. You know, 20 years is a is a good amount of time. You know, Pete's been around a long time now. Um, he also recently celebrated his 50th. And I, f I remember, I, now I didn't see anything about that. But one of the things I was curious about, not that I expected to see anything, but and I remember correctly, I believe Coop and I were doing a spare notes. And Mitchell, you may or may not have been on that show, but we were talking about the show, you know, we were getting closer to it. We talked about kind of things we wanted to see. We talked about, Coop had brought up the topic of there's a lot of anniversaries, and there's going to be a lot of people maybe celebrating those anniversaries. And, you know, Tatuaje, you know, obviously is up there, and my father was up there. So we knew something was going on, but we didn't, just didn't know really what. My father, which I'll get to in a second, had some cool stuff. But um, Coop, I remember, mentioned, like, well, Pete just turned 50 within the last year or so, too. And he said, like, I wonder if, you know, Pete's going to do something for his 50th birthday because, you know, I know, like Skip Martin, for example, did um, with the, and I can't say it, and I bet you Mitchell can, is it the quad? King Quaginario. King Quaginario. That's what it is. Um, so, like, we saw that from, from from Skip Martin at Roma Craft to Back. You know, I was like, hey, does Pete Johnson do, like, something for his 50th? And I can't remember if he we talked about it or not, but uh, he did not have anything on display. But he did have the Datuahe 20th anniversary stuff on display. He had the NFT. So, again, I think that's another booth that kind of lived up to the hype. It was busy at that booth. There was a lot going on there. A little bit bigger booth than DTT, so there's a lot more room for people to spread out. But even still, with the bigger size, it was, it was pretty busy most of the show. So I expect a lot of attention uh, on that NFT when it, you know, as it get closer to the auctions. But, yeah, I mean, that's another one that lived up to the hype. I don't know. You guys – I know you guys – went to see Barbara a lot at the booth, but I don't know how much of the booth you actually really sauntered through. And I don't know if you guys got to talk to Pete, but um, no. that definitely was a booth that was happening. It was. So I would. Yeah, it's always, it's always good. I mean, Pete always has a lot of traffic in the booth and, and I mean, that was definitely the, I mean, the story of the day really. I mean, he was super busy in there. Yeah. So. And then you go over to my father which, you know, we presented them with the Factory of the Year Award, and we, I was fortunate enough to to do that with three generations of the Garcia family, you know, Don Pepin, Jaime, and then um, the two kids um, were at the booth too. And um, they, so my father, 
is doing kind of something similar to Fuente Padron. Um, there are two different humidors, four different cigars total. All right. Now, each humidor is going to have a cigar that's going to be Tatawahe blended by Papine and my father blended by Pete. And then there's another humidor, same situation, just two different blends. So if I remember this correctly, there's two different humidor sets, but four different cigars across the board. It's not like there's two different humidors with the same cigars. Um, that's going to be coming out, and that's part of their 20th celebration. They also had a My Father 20th Anniversary Cigar with a humidor that's coming out. The humidor is made by Ellie Blue. Um, I think if I heard correctly, that's good, that humidor that comes with the cigars, I want to say it was around $16,000 MSRP. So, yeah, I mean, they, they have some, some really cool stuff going on, too. Um, it was exciting to see both, and once again, you know, they're side by side, so <laughs> they were, you know, right there pretty much the whole time. Um, so, yeah, a lot going on there. In hindsight, I should have thought ahead to that, and I would have kind of put my father on the list, too, but uh, I, they were slammed, too, and they had that going on. And uh, So, so far, the lists have been pretty accurate. Um, now, Kevin, you mentioned Perdomo, I believe, right? Yes. Mitchell yep. mentioned Foundation. So I went to Perdomo. You guys went to Foundation. Um, Nicole had mentioned Forged. Uh, which you guys covered Forged. Now, let's talk about Forged for a second. So, Forged General. Forged, without the general products, but still general, was at the trade show. Okay? You guys know the saga. I'm not going to get into it. You guys know they're back. So is Altadas, and by way of Hoya de Nicaragua, Drew Estate. So, but Forge was there. And now, Forge was there with all their other brands, but they were there with the two brands who were at the show last year, Alec Bradley and Room 101. How did you guys feel outside of Room 101, which we already talked about? You know, talking a little, maybe a little bit more on, you know, how does it, how does the feel of Alec Bradley now that they're part of Forged, as well as everything else? How, how did that booth feel, uh, uh, being at the trade show? You know, did it did it feel like they were excited to be there? Um, did they come ready for a trade show? Or do you think they kind of threw it together? Like, what was the vibe of that booth? Um, I'll, I'll start. So for me. Uh, it felt good. It felt like everyone was happy to be there. Um, from Alec Bradley, it was just Bradley Rubin kind of representing from the family. Um, Alec wasn't there and Alan Rubin were not there. But uh, yeah, Bradley, we, we interviewed Bradley and he seemed super stoked about uh, what was the other news? So they had the Magic Toast and they had, was it a re-release of a... One second. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're bringing back the pre-embargo. Pre-embargo, yeah. With, so, with a new blend, and then their um, fine and rare, which which is their oh yeah, their new fine and rare yes. annually. That's yeah. So yeah, so, that's coming yeah, they, back. So they have some new they, stuff, and they were excited. If they I were may, excited, they were ready. May, it was. If I may, for one second, Dan, kind of all of it. Like I say, booth, but the booth encapsulates the brand, the product, the traffic, all of it. So each. Each booth being all of the pieces to it. But anyway, continue, guys. Yeah, so, um, and then again, Matt Booth was there showing some some new Johnny stuff, the uh, 14th anniversary. Uh, I think he had one other new blend. I forget exactly what it was. He had a bunch of products on the on the, on the showcase. They honestly had a lot. They, they actually did have a decent amount of new product. Um, I think there was a new... Um, 
what was the one the fully wrapped cigar? I forget the name of that brand. At the Forge booth? Oh, the Los, the Los yeah. Dados Deluxe Maduro. Los Dados, yeah. Yes. I always forget that name. Los Dados the, Deluxe. I'm pretty sure that was a new one, too. They had tons of new stuff, and everyone in there was very cohesive. Like, you know, all all the different people from each brand were all talking to each other, right? Again, it's Forge representing multiple different brands under one umbrella. Um, unfortunately, the only person we actually didn't get to talk to was Justin Andrews. Um, every time we tried to talk to him, he said, oh, I'm going to go to a really important meeting. So he just kind of blew us off every time. <laughs> but, well, uh, I will say, I mean, but J- Justin, I think, Justin can be a little difficult to get a hold of. I've always had a good. He's a very important man. I've always had a good relationship with Justin Andrews, and it's unfortunate that you guys didn't get that. And it's another one of the reasons why I said at the beginning of the show, I'm really proud of these guys because not only did they cover the show really well, but I, you know, I try to just live my life with the things I do for work. Um, a level of professionalism. Uh, it's another thing that I, I learned growing up is I was in a lot of environments where even as a child and I didn't have a job, I still had to kind of remain professional. Um, and I won't elaborate on that, but just it's something I picked up on from a young age. And... So even now that I have my own things, whether it's my regular job that I do or it's this, um, I always try to remember, like, you know, professionalism and respect of other people and, and doing things a certain way. And, you know, the fact that these guys were also able to do that, you know, I'm really proud of that and represented the team in a professional way because that's a big thing, you know, not interrupting business. And it's something that we've heard. Uh, we actually, Kevin and I were actually at the PCA press conference, which I can't wait to get to tonight uh, I, to, I, to say the least. for just a second my uh circuit breaker tripped on my power strip on my laptop's about to die if i don't reset it so i will be right go, go ahead go ahead go ahead um but yeah no i mean i you know these guys were really professional i didn't interrupt business so i think that's great and i, I really appreciate that but no i mean yeah so the the forge booth getting back to it the forge booth um i had been through it a few times you know i met with some of the people there you know like matt and um some of the reps that i know and some of the other people there and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, to me, it seemed cool, but I didn't spend the time that they did. So I'm really happy to hear that, you know, yep. they kind of came back. Yep. I got to talk to Bradley for a little bit. Um, awesome to see him there. He's still involved. Um, seems like they had a good show. The other one was a uh, foundation for me that I had. Uh, I got to interview Nick. Great interview. Nick's always, um, he's always got a plethora of information, just a wealth of knowledge. His uh, depth of history and his just his raw passion oh, for the industry. It's amazing. Raw passion for the industry and all the products that he's creating and what they represent and the story they're going to tell. It's uh, yeah. Nick is just, he is, you know, uh, you know, I could say he's an ambassador for the industry almost, right? Like if you want to look at, him and what he's doing it's just it's just amazing he had a lot of new products uh he released uh the metapa as i mentioned already two new charter oak lines the pasquale and the uh pegnatero which by the way that charter oak line i mean if you're not smoking that you gotta get yeah, on if, that That's for the money it's yeah a great great line and again very both approachable those... price i mean mm-hmm. great great cigars so you kind of explained those a bit more of like a 
celebratory cigar, weekend cigar, special event cigar, and to really bring homage and honor to his, his grandfathers, right? So those two great cigars. And then he also had a Knight Commander. And if you don't know, Nick was recently knighted by the Ethiopian government with, um, I think he's, he mentioned something, he was knighted with the their star. I forget the exact name of it, but he was given the title of Knight Commander, which is a very high ranking within the knighting system uh, in Ethiopia. And again, check out, check out the interview because he kind of goes into detail about that. And uh, again, what an honor to be in presence of a, a knighted man. And again, so passionate and so grateful for the opportunity for that. Um, and he was uh, great. And again, if you were really excited, like I was, about the senator and the historic value of the Egyptians and and uh, and what's his name, uh, King Tut. Uh, that's going to be hopefully he's saying hoping yearly release that's his yeah I, I was excited about that i that was announced like because... right before the show started i think that mm -hmm. we, did, we did get something on that and i remember seeing it, i mean like oh my god that's awesome because so i really for... liked that cigar and i asked Nick when it came excited. out I go, is, is that it and he was like at the time he was like that's it they're done and i was like oh that's too bad <laughs> but it's great and to hear that i'm like yeah like this is cool um well, the research they put into that box, too, to make sure that it was an accurate replica of the sarcophagus is amazing. Yeah, he was actually kind of going into detail Harvard. what they went through to do that. Yeah, they sent it to, to what was it, Harvard? Harvard, Harvard University. Uh, hieroglyphs yeah. to make sure it was accurate with all of the things. And then I think he said the only thing they changed was, I forget what word they ended up putting in there. Was it like they ended up putting Highclere Castle on the box? Okay. Um, Instead of like, so the whole box is supposed to be an actual piece that they found in King Tut's tomb, but they changed a couple words on the box, and instead of what they truly represented with on the box, they put Highclere Castle on it. And, uh, but a true representation of hieroglyphic language translated to Highclere Castle. So, yeah, just again, an amazing piece. So much put into that. I'm so glad, like, to me, that was one of the, like last year, that was one of the best boxes that came out last year, like in terms of look and uh, just history behind it. And uh, I should be getting the cigars next week um, from a shipment, and I'm going to be trying that. Everyone I've talked to said it's a great cigar. I can't wait to try it. Um, oh, it's an outstanding uh, cigar. I mean, it's one yeah, of those ones that so, if you're not a Nick fanboy, if you smoke that, you will be. So uh, I a thought Foundation... Day. I thought Foundation did a great job. Their booth, beautiful booth, as always. Nice and open, easy to walk around, but they had these little benches for you to sit at. They had wonderful displays. They had their, you know, the big, you know, triangle up there with all the different brands. Um, they had the one of, I think, as media, it's probably I'm biased towards this, but they had an area that was blocked off for media to sit down into to do the interview with Nick. And it was That's like, how you do it. That's how you do so it. no one could come by and bother you. The sound was, was better because you have like three walls protecting you from sound. And, you know, you sat down there and it was, it was great. Um, yeah, it, it looked, it looked really good. Um, and it, and the interview was, was very personable. You know, you're sitting there with Nick and 
yeah. So all around, I think Foundation killed it. You know, it looked like they sell, sold tons of cigars. And uh, yeah, I want to one of the bigger booths for me. Yeah, no, I didn't get to go in that booth. I, I talked to Nick briefly. Uh, Mitchell, I know you weren't in town yet, but Kevin and I were actually in attendance on Friday for the uh, PCA, the town hall meeting. And Nick actually mm. spoke for a little bit, but we, I, I got to talk to him briefly there. And, um, you know, it was it was exciting to see him. But, yeah, I, I didn't catch that booth, but I, I did see as I passed by it several times. It was busy. I heard a lot of great things. Uh, I saw a lot of retailer friends that I know in that spending some time in that booth. Um, Kevin, I don't know if that's you, but I'm kidding. That's a lot of background noise. There's a lot of background noise going on. Yeah, that's weird. It's like I got, I froze and now we're getting weird feedback. Hang on a second. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, Before we even continue, because I am actually just ripping through this cigar, this was the Solamente. I think it's shipping in November. And uh, wow, this is, this was tasty, man. Tasty. Yeah, so the Solamente, uh, well, I'll take a little we'll pause here for a sec. So the Solamente was the first cigar that All Saints Cigars released um, back in 2019. Um, and um, then it was, I think it was released as a limited edition. I can't remember, but they don't they don't make it anymore. So Mickey then focused on, you know, his Dedicacion, the St. Francis, the, the Habano lines, uh, and all the other things he's done. But what he decided to do was bring back the Solamente, which is Spanish for only. And what he did was he said, all right, we're going to bring this back, and it's going to hopefully be an annual limited release, right? So it will be dropping in November, and um, it'll be, I want to say it's $22 a cigar up from it, or $20 a cigar up from its $11 price tag that it originally had, or $12 price tag. And it'll come in boxes of 23. Now, Mickey has said that the box count will reflect the year that it was released. So next year, for example, will be a box of 24. Um, same size, same blend. Um, and it will, and if he's still here, he can add to that. But because um, I just did, I just did their story, their PCA story today, so it's kind of still fresh in my mind. But they have that Solamente um, limited edition, and it will be an annual limited edition kind of going forward. Um, so really exciting. I've smoked the original Solamente. I, I have some of the samples from the show of the new one. I haven't smoked it yet, but the, the originals were great. I, they were awesome cigars. Um, so really excited to. Um, sorry, excuse me. Hmm. Um. Really excited to, to smoke that one and, and check that out because, look, if anyone's been following Smoking Tobacco, uh, we've reviewed a couple of cigars from All Saints, and they've all scored pretty high. Um, so it's it's safe to say that they're a favorite here. Uh, they've performed well. They've reviewed well. Uh, All Saints has just been doing a great job in their first few years. Um, expect a lot of great things from them. So uh, just congrats to Mickey Pegg. Seems like they had another great show. Um, yeah, deli- delicious. And who doesn't love good. Mickey Pegg? Oh, I know. Who? Tell me. I want names. Yeah. Tell me who. I'll find you. I want names. <laughs> I want names of, you know. The other one I had on my list to kind of round out my list was Epic. You know, another Canadian boy, Dean Parsons, making some great stuff. You know, his, uh, his La Rubia really just blew me away. And the fact, you know, he was working with, um, with Chaz to release a new cigar and you know whenever there's a 
famous person coming into the industry that always perks up the ears. So it seemed like busy booth seemed like it did well. Haven't tried the cigar, so I don't know for sure. Um, I don't know if they were handing out any samples at the show of that or not, but um, yeah, that was the other booth. Uh, again, you, you got to talk to Chaz and I did. I don't know if you talked to Dean as well, but um, yeah. Um, I did get to speak to him. I spoke to both of them. So I, we, I did an interview with Chaz and I did an interview with Dean Parsons um, and they're, they're both available at Smoking Tobacco if you'd like to see them. Um, but yeah, I, I did interview them both and um, it was great. You know, Chaz was a great guy, really laid back, really cool. He wasn't a stuffy celebrity. He was just, you know, really approachable guy. Um, really had a lot of enthusiasm, which was great to see. Um, they, um, they both, they both were, you know, Dean's a great guy. He was just on the show a few weeks ago. So it was awesome to talk to both of them, but yeah, no, I mean the, the consensus on that booth, well, it wasn't as busy as I thought it would be. Um, you know, it was busy, but it wasn't, I, I was expecting it to be a little bit more jam packed. Um, from what I saw, and maybe I just missed out on certain times, like when Chaz was in the booth. I was pretty busy, but um, but it was still it was good. It was a good show. I did see crowds there at points uh, when he was in the booth, which is great to see. It's what you want to see, right? Um, but no, it, it was cool. Uh, we ha I do we I don't even remember if we actually got samples of those cigars. I don't know if they had them. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Um, but you know, excited to try it because again, you know, we've had this conversation. You know, the celebrity cigars. You know, it's great. You get someone involved, getting behind the rand, putting their face on it, but, you know, does the cigar perform, you know? And not many have turned out the way Knuckle Sandwich has for Espinosa and Guy Fieri. So it's like, all right, here's another one. Let's see how it goes. Um, Box is beautiful. You know, cigar sounds interesting. He's got a great story. He seems to be promoting it pretty well. Um, but let's see how it performs and, uh, hopefully it's a good one because I like jazz a lot and I, I pulled, I'm not going to lie. I, I pulled a couple of Bronx tail quotes on him and he loved it. Um, you know, I asked him some cigar questions and stuff and at the end I just said, Hey Chaz, you know, I just wanted to tell you. And he got all serious. Like, you know, and I was like, Sonny had five fingers, but he only used three. And he just was like, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was cool. So <laughs> that was, that was fun to do. I, I, I did enjoy that, but no, I mean, he was, he was cool. Um, he was a good shit. He was actually, we grabbed him. He was done for the day. He was getting out of there and leaving. And I was walking past and I, I had an appointment for the next day, but Dean grabbed me and he was like, Hey, he's like, hey do you want to grab him now? And I'm like, he's like, he's done. But I'm like, well, I don't want to, you know, get in his way. If he's ready to leave, you know, he's like, no, 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 let me ask him. And he, he was like, no, I'll do it. And he, he came over and he, he did the interview with us. And, uh, then he went on his way, but you know, I, I appreciated that, but I, you know, I didn't expect it, you know, um, uh, so yeah, just a great guy, you know. Um, and I, I really, I really hope that the cigar does well. Um, David, so the answer to your question, I'm not 100% sure. I think one is Jaime's and one is Yanni's. I'm not sure. I can't remember actually, but I, yeah, they're both his grandsons. I just don't remember who, whose is whose. Um, I, I don't know that for sure, but they were both there. And if you if you watch the thing, they were all there. And most of them, you know, they don't speak English, so the grandsons actually were were translating. So I was asking questions, and they were translating and back and forth. So that was kind of cool. But it was like five of us in this long shot of a video, <laughs> but we got it. We got it done. So um, anyway, moving on. Um, we 
mentioned one of the things I'm looking at the time, so I'm just trying to keep on schedule here. Um, one of the things that we didn't really get into yet, we've talked a lot about brands and stuff we saw at the show, and, and we'll probably continue to do that for the next show or two. Um, so, and especially when Coop comes back. So, um, there's definitely gonna be a lot more of that. But one of the things I, I wanted to make sure I brought up tonight, and we'll revisit this again next time, is more of the, the PCA stuff itself. Um, I had lightly mentioned a few minutes ago the uh, press conference. So every year at the PCA trade show, there is a media press conference. It's held on Monday morning at 10 a.m. Um, right out of the gate of the uh, of the day. Not before the trade show begins, because, you know, why would we want to take the media off the floor? But that's okay. Um, Kevin and I were present, as was um, Half Wheel, Cigar Coop, Developing Pallets, um, How About That Cigar, and a few others in the back. And, you know, questions were asked, um, as many people have already come to know. On Friday, at the PCA meeting, um, New Orleans was officially announced, as we all kind of suspected it would. Um, and it's going to be held in April of 2025 in New Orleans. And I can't remember. I think I want to say it's April 11th through the 14th. Now, there's a couple of things that happened. Um, and questions were asked. And responses were given. And one of the things that was brought up was the fact that the third, so the fourth half day of the trade show is being dropped. This was the last year of the half day on Tuesday. And it's something that I guess not a lot of people were made aware of. And from the conversations that I've had with several people around the media, the feeling was that it was being kind of kept low key. Um, the belief being is that they wanted to make sure that they um, still had everyone signing up for the show for next year and the year after. And people already paid for those booths. And, you know, there was speculation that, hey, maybe they didn't want to have to do any changes to the pricing uh, because of that. I don't know. This is what I hear. Um, but regardless, it was something that wasn't very well um, communicated about. And... Um, I know that was a topic of conversation, and uh, there was a little bit of disagreement as to, you know, should it have been more public knowledge and not? Well, to, to be fair, they had the dates set for quite a while, and the dates clearly showed one less day than what the dates have always said. So, But even before that, but even before that, um, true. it wasn't something that was really made aware. Yeah, thing. it's not like they publicly said, hey, just so you know, guys, the dates is w there's one less day of the trade show now. Like they did come out and say that as a press release, whether again. So one yeah, it was almost like it was just kind of mentioned in passing. Yeah, um, Mitchell's right. But even leading up to that point, it wasn't really well like, hey, the dates are coming. There's only going to be three days. Um, the other thing and Charlie Minato brought this up. And it was interesting. Now, before I say this, I understand that, you know, we've been talking about expecting the show to go to New Orleans in 25. Okay, we've been talking about this. If you've been listening to the show, it's not like it's new news. When, when the announcement was made, it was more or less like, all right, finally we just, like, just said what we already knew. Um, however, in terms of manufacturers, you know, what we talk about in the media is sometimes different than what the manufacturers have going on. Because they don't just talk about PCA all the time like we do. Now, Charlie brought up a good point. It said, 
you know, I'm curious as to how much con uh, communication was had between the PCA and the manufacturers regarding the location of the show in 2025. And the reason is because um, Charlie had said that f between Wednesday and Thursday, the week of the show, um, and probably even more, because um, that press conference didn't happen until Monday, um, that he had spoken with several manufacturers, actually a good amount of manufacturers, who said they had no idea that it was a, you know, a sure thing for New Orleans. No one told him, no one communicated. And he asked the question, you know, well, I understand that you guys, you know, like can't make the, you know, announcement of it, but like when it comes to the manufacturers who exhibit and pay to come and exhibit at the trade show, you know, there should be a little bit more, in, you know, was there more communication and what happened there? And we kind of got a little bit of a runaround on that one. Like, well, we did a survey in the survey and it's like, yeah, but uh, who, who was surveyed in that? The retailers mostly? You know, it, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, there's manufacturers who, and you know, and Scott made the point like, well, you know, people, you know, this has been talked about. We had said it was an option. It's like, yes, but one of the things that I think Charlie was trying to stress was for the manufacturers exhibiting at the show, it sounded like there was a good amount, and there was a few I talked to who kind of said the same, but I don't think it, I didn't really talk about it as much as Charlie did. But the sense that Charlie was trying to paint was there was a lot of manufacturers who felt like they were left in the dark on the situation and they felt as though they should have been more included because obviously they make up a large part of the trade show happening because it's them coming paying for booths and all of that that you know is a significant part of what puts that show together and um we didn't really get a clear answer on that one either um Another thing that was brought up was the fact that the PCA has started to do media. And I'm going to finally say this publicly because I want to. So, whatever. Um, it's no secret that the PCA has hired Antoine Reed. You might know him from Deep Cuts Live. And he's doing media directly for the PCA. And another question was asked as to why the media is paying dues to an organization that is now competing with us directly. And some of us just pay dues and whatever it is to get to the show. People like Half Wheel, who spend a lot more money because they technically have a, well, private, but they have a booth space on the trade show floor. They have a much a larger team that comes with them. They pay a lot more into the PCA. And it seemed as though they felt like, hey, um, we're paying all this money to come to the trade show, as is everybody in this room, to have somebody competing with us directly. And the answer that we were given was that they were trying to be more, you know, connected and, in, you know, relevant with the retailers and the consumers so the people were more aware of who the PCA was. The problem with that, though, is you're now competing directly with us. And what does that lead to? You know, and a lot of questions are being asked around that. And it's, it's interesting. And the other part of that is that before the trade show began, there were a few cigars, notably one, that... We only heard about because Antoine posted a story about it on um, the PCA website, and it was a Platinum Nova cigar, and no one else was told about it, just the PCA. And we kind of took that as, well, that's okay, that's interesting, that's, don't like that. Um, so we have an organization now that's directly competing with the media, and didn't really get a more clear answer on that one either. Just kind of like, well, we're trying to be relevant with the retailers. It's like, yeah, but you're also now competing with us, and why? So there's some questions that are being asked there as well. Um, I had made a few comments on social media about this, and some of our favorite listeners didn't like it, and I apologize, and it's no disrespect to them. I still love them. Um, 
and I know that person will probably listen to the show at some point and I should connect with him privately. But, um, yeah, just some things I wasn't happy with. And, but one of the things that was said during that argument and whatever from, you know, Scott and the rest of the board was asking questions. Scott said, um, back to Patrick Legreed from Half Wheel, um, along the lines of, and I don't remember it, but he says, Patrick had asked the question about, you know, competing with the media. And then Scott, who, again, I still have a lot of respect for. I love Scott. He's a great guy. So I'm not, this is not painting him as, he's an asshole now. No. Still a great guy, and I respect him a lot. I'm just, I'm a little, just a little confused on what, kind of what's going on here, as everyone else in the media world is. Um, but Patrick had made a statement about, you know, competing against the media, and then Scott had kind of, and I didn't really didn't like this, but Scott had turned around and said something to effect of, yeah, but, like, what about when you guys report on legislative stuff? That's, like, our thing. And it's, like, I disagree with you there still, though, Scott, because it's still our job to report what's going on so that way people are more aware because, as we all know, most consumers are not fully aware of what's going on with legislation when it comes to cigars and the FDA and all that nonsense. And that's why we spend the time to try and put that out there on our pages and our websites because we want people to know what's going on. So you can't really make that argument because, you know, no one really knows what's going on anyway, and you kind of lean on us to help you get that word out, which we do because, you know, we support the PCA, you know, we love the industry. But don't sit there in a meeting and look us in the eye and go, well, but, you know, you guys compete with our legislative stuff. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing uh, having us help you get the word out, a, an organization that we pay dues to, okay, to support this industry and help you get your message out because we're the media. They're an organization, okay? And, you know, then you turn around and you look at Patrick Legreed and you go, well, you know, you compete with our legislative stuff. It's not the same as you taking a cigar from a manufacturer and having Antoine go out there and put it on the website that no one else knew about. And then when you have him going out of his way, and look, look, if the PCA wants press releases and just wants to share stuff if they get it, like that's kind of one thing, and they have every right to do that, I guess, so to speak. But you have him going out there and chasing down information. Okay, there was a story that came out from a manufacturer who's watching this show right now, and that was supposed to be an exclusive story with a particular member of the media who is also on this show, but he's not present. Okay, and you know. Come to find out, and from what I understand, you know, it sounds like Antoine just kind of did some digging and put a story out. And if you ask me, you know, if I put an exclusive story out, if Coop puts an exclusive story out, if DP puts an exclusive story out, if Charlie puts an exclusive story out, and one of us goes and steals it from the other one because it's out there, whatever, that's one thing. But I don't expect the Premium Cigar Association to cheat me on an exclusive story. And I know there's people who are going to disagree with me, but I don't care. It's On the surface, it just doesn't seem right to me. So that is a gripe that not only do I hold, but pretty much everybody in that room who is a media person feels. Well, at the end of the day, we can't speak for all of them, but I'm sure it will be brought up. Oh, we can, Mitchell. We (laughs) can. Trust me. Yeah, I kind of agree with Matt. That was kind of the universal consensus. And Kevin was in that. The fact when when we talked afterwards, that just seemed to be the 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 common theme. I mean, Matt definitely has a point there. Yeah, it's it's a a very it's it's a a very important point. And as Switzerland as Mitchell can be sometimes, and I love that about him. This is something that we we just can't let. No, this is this is not right. 
And Kevin was in I that agree. room and he heard all of this conversation and he saw it himself and he, and he knows this, this was something that everyone sat up and leaned a little bit more forward when it came up. And I actually was going to ask this question, but right before I did, Patrick beat me to it and I said, Oh, okay, great. I don't have to do it. For, for me, my one question is why are they doing it? Like, why do they feel they need to become a press release format? If they feel that they need to communicate certain product releases or whatever that, like, that they're doing with their form of media, it's a very simple fix. It is share one of our posts, send it to us, send it to the media. Hey, maybe just go on the PCA page and share an article from Smoke and Tobacco and say, hey, guys. Check out this article about a PCA exclusive from Smoke and Tobacco, from Cigar Coop, from Half Wheel. It's really just that easy. We're already doing it, and we're already paying to be there to do it. Um, you don't have to pay someone to do it because that's what we want to do, and that's what we're there to do. Um, so it, I, it is weird that they're – I don't understand why they're doing it. I understand that the media has always criticized the PCA for – for their communication in general with everything, whether it's to us or to their consumer or, or not consumer, but the retailers and stuff like that. And I think that, I, again, I don't know because I'm not there and I can't put words in their mind. The only reason I expect their, why they thought this might be a good idea is because they thought it might help them with communication channels to their retailers. But it's like, we're already there doing that. You just have to help us get it to them. We're already there, and like you don't like. There's a plethora of of different media sources that you could choose from, and that you could maybe highlight. Maybe one week it's one brand, and the next week it's the next brand, and the next week it's the next brand, and you give every media that comes to the PCA to support you guys the light of day on your your site, and there you go. That's it. You just have your social media person share those posts instead of you taking the time to create it yourself. And then if there are these, like you said, there was a specific PCA exclusive that was only delivered to PCA and press release through them. It's like, well, just send it to us as well. And there you go. So again, I, they're not here to defend themselves. And I wasn't at that conference. So I don't know the exact um, sentiments of everyone sitting in that room. And you're right. I do like to play Switzerland or even a little bit of devil's advocate. Um, but uh but yeah, I, I think I think it's a very easy fix, and it doesn't even require that much effort. And you have all the communication channels you want to, with what you're already doing. And we're still happy. We we get, you know, a bit of time on the PCA page. Other brands do too. Other media companies brands do too. Sure. And there you go. It's like just just share our stuff or just. And that's all it takes, you know, is just someone in yeah, social media. Bottom, bottom line, just their intentions weren't made clear. Is what I left the press conference feeling is just, I mean, I'm still new to this and don't quite understand, but I mean, that's, you know, it's pretty obvious to understand. I mean, it, it, it may be not a good analogy, but it, in my opinion, a similar analogy would be like the cigar manufacturers you know, just skipping the B&M, skipping the retailers, skipping the, the wholesalers and stuff and just selling direct to the consumers. 
you know, it's kind of a, it's almost a similar situation to that by them doing so, their own media. So Dan said, feels like, feels like the, if the PCA stays on its legislative mission, they need to use both direct and media channels to communicate. When it comes to legislation, Dan, I'm fine with that. 100%. But that's because they're supposed, their PCA's primary function is legislative. So why are you putting out exclusive news stories on cigars that are coming out? With product. With product. That is not what your mission is. Your mission is to do the legislative stuff because at the end of the day, that is what all the money that PCA raises pays for. It pays for the cost of the legislative efforts, as does with CRA and all the people involved over there. It's the same with PCA. They get to spend their time in Washington, the Judge Meta stuff, all that stuff we talk about that you guys think is boring, but it's important because if – if it doesn't happen, you end up like Mitchell. You pay $300 for a $12 cigar. But why, hey. are you, why are you competing with us on stuff that has nothing to do with legislation? Because you want to stay relevant with the consumer. And I understand. You want people to know about PC. And I agree. I think everybody should be more well aware of who they are, what they do, and should pay attention. I agree. But I don't think competing with us on news stories, and I believe there was some cigar reviews that may or may not have taken place. I don't know. That's not for them to do, and I just feel that it's kind of inappropriate. Um, you have that facet, so we're all paying to to attend a trade show, be members, pay our dues at the trade show. You have that going on, and then you got the influencers, who you know, like Aaron Loomis had brought up the point. He was like, you know, why are you know the influencers, you know, still on the show floor? Why do I have to pay if they're not? And it's a good point. You know, they get in with manufacturers for free. And then, meanwhile, in that press conference, they had said, hey, by the way, it's none of you guys because you're all in this room. But, like, you know, has anyone heard anything about the influencers and blah, blah, blah? We, we're getting a lot of complaints from manufacturers. And I know they all, all the Instagram people hate when I bring this up. But it's like, listen, the board of directors brings this up and says, we're getting complaints from manufacturers. I'm relaying information. That's all it is. If you don't even like it, it's too bad. But PCA said to all of us in that room, there's get a lot of complaints coming in from these people in the booths they're fanboying and fangirling and doing and interrupting business and we cannot have that which i agree with and i think that's true um so you're, you're letting that happen and the simple solution is be more diligent with those big manufacturers who get like 200 badges and give them out to everybody um and you know really comb through who's getting these badges and do they really work for the company um because they're like, we'd love to have a suggestion. Well, there's your suggestion. Those big people who are notorious, you know, spend more time combing through them and find out who those people are and make more of an effort. But they don't because at the end of the day, those badges get paid for and it's money for the PCA. But, you know, then they complain about it and they go, you know, as we, we all do, and the manufacturers don't like it. And then the manufacturers look at it as all media. Then we all get the red target on our back, even though that's not what it is because, you know, some of us are there anyone who was in that room really um to do professional media work at the trade show but then you know you got you got the pca competing against us you got the influencers who are allowed to walk the floor cause trouble and get there for free meanwhile there's a small group of us who are there doing the right thing doing the right thing every day we're paying to be there we're paying our dues and it feels like you know we're getting the shortest end of the stick here and it just doesn't make sense to me and i know a lot of people who i you know my peers in this industry who also own their own media websites agree with me. So 
I'm going to be the asshole to say it on the air and everyone can hear it because if you don't say anything about something, nothing ever gets done or the conversation doesn't happen. If you just kick exactly. it under the, the rug, then no one talks about it and it just gets worse. So I know there's people who are not going to like this rant, but at the end of the day, that's I'm not here to just make everyone feel good. I'm here to tell you what's going on and that's what's going on. And if Coop was here, I'm sure he would add to that conversation too, but he's not because he needed to do some things and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that, sure that was actually addressed on a, on a show I watched earlier today where that same topic came up about the, the manufacturers bringing media and, and influencers and stuff under the badge. And pretty much the response that was given there was, you know, that that's something that's kind of happened since the beginning of the time. There's not really anything that can be done to control it or anything to help it. And, you know, PCA just doesn't have the staff to patrol the show floor to enforce it. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just, fair. you know, it was basically put as, you know, it's just something that we're just, it's, it's just the fact with. that a show, you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. I know. And I'm just, and I look, I'm just putting it all on the table. Of course. You know, I'm just it's, putting all the, and, and it's all stuff that was brought up at the press conference by the PCA. So it's like, all right, well, yeah. you guys weren't there. This is what was said. I um, mean, in, 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 in retrospect, if you think about it, I mean, cause the, the manufacturers, I mean, I don't know how many badges the manufacturers get, but I would imagine they get X amount and have to pay for the rest. I believe so I believe it's based on the size of the booth. There's a certain amount, but I don't know so what it is. is. So, I mean, if it's a badge, I mean, if it's outside of their allotments and it's a badge that they're paying for to get somebody in, I mean, you know, technically it's still being paid for. So, I mean, you know, that is one thing, one thing to look at. I mean, they're getting the money for the badge one way or the other, so... It's true. And that's why I'm like, you know, is it because they just don't know how to fix it or because they don't want to fix it? Because if those badges are getting paid for, they look at it like, well, I know that they're there, but like, you know, it's money that's coming in. And it's like, I get it. I believe me. Nobody wants PCA to make money more than me, you know, because on the legislative side, you know, yeah, I believe in them and they're doing great. But, you know, just as some little things. And again, this isn't, I'm not, I don't, my opinion of those people hasn't changed personally. I still love them. I still respect yes. them. And I hope that when they do hear this and they know they're not going to like it, but I hope that they also remember, I, look, I still respect you and I still, you know, consider you a, an ally in the business and as a friend. But, you know, it's sometimes you just get a little tough love and you just have to be honest. You know, it's like Abe, you know, everyone's always like, honest Abe. Well, you know, Abe says things that sometimes people don't like, but it's because it's he's being honest. He's not lying about it. And this is the truth. The truth is these several things have taken place. Um, and, you know, I'm not the only one that feels this way because I talk to people because, you know, it's what you do. And, you know, you, it's an issue. If I was the only I, one that felt this way, you know, I'd probably still bring it up, but I probably wouldn't get so into it. But it's because I know that there's a group of people who feel strongly about this, and sometimes well, no matter what you, no matter what you say, somebody's going to get pissed off. I mean, it's just somebody's you're going to say something that somebody's not going to like. I mean, everybody doesn't like everything you say. Everybody doesn't like everything I say. It's just it's just it's a, fine. Matter of fact, but it's part of the game. Know, to be able to speak, to be able to speak your mind. That's what we're here for, right? Yeah, and you know, and, and thank you to you know David had said that's why I stick to this show, Coops, Abe's and the Authority. I mean, yeah, I mean I, I appreciate comments like that because at the end of the day I want people to watch the show because I'm not just here putting on this thing where I'm talking about food and snacks at the gas station. I'm here to talk about the stuff that, you know, people either need to hear, wanna hear or should hear. And, you know, that's just that's why we're here. You know, we're here to inform people of like, hey, these are the things going on that you may or may not know about. So 
you know, um, that's why we do it. And then, you but know, we are I, here to talk about ketchup on hot dogs. Well, <laughs> you know, apparently the Costco food, a, hot dog, the cost, a hot dog is a sandwich. Uh, apparently, the food court at Costco does not live up to the Cooper standard of excellence. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> believe me, we have no, discussed it, this. <laughs> and you know, and you know, us as media, like at the end of the day, I think the show was a was a great success, and I think everything did everyone like overall. I think it was a great show, and it sounds like every year media just complains, but it's also part of our job to be critical. You know, we're critical on cigars, we're critical on the industry, and we're going to be critical about the trade show that, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's the Super Bowl of the industry. Yeah. And we have to be critical. And we, we have to talk about these things publicly and feel comfortable that we can. And also know that, like, you know, if anyone from the PCA ever, if they want to talk, our DMs are open. Email, Facebook. We all have each other on Facebook, friends. I am always everybody, willing to talk about it. Always. Every, everybody, no ha, everybody in this industry has my phone number and my email, as they do everybody else so, who owns you know, the media website. And so I never wanted to be a one-way conversation of us just looking like we're criticizing things. Um, and because, uh, like you said, if these things aren't said, the conversation doesn't happen, and they repeat themselves, and people feel resentment. Uh, like any relationship, you have to be open, honest, and talk about it, and then come up with a solution. Yeah, as long as both sides of the conversation are out there, that you can have a conversation about. I mean, yeah. you can have a conversation about it, but when one side is unknown or not clear, that makes it a whole hell of a lot more difficult to, you know, to, to talk properly about it and come up with a solid solution. Yeah. And again, I'm, well, we're not here to try it's to tear a, them down. It's just like, hey, like, you know, this is something pretty, that we don't pretty think small, is appropriate. Yeah, it's a pretty. I wouldn't say it's a small issue, but it's an issue that it's it started now, and if we don't talk about it, it could grow into something bigger, and then they could just be like, "We had no idea this was an issue, and you didn't say anything." And it's like, "Yeah, you're right." So, you know, now they know, and whether something changes or whether they convey what their message wants to be with what they're doing and then media understands that or the rest of the people understand that who knows but uh yeah. well nine times out of ten that's how it happens too it's like well we didn't know it was a problem you know yeah. until then it becomes a big problem that can't be fixed and you yeah. never said anything so if you don't say anything you can't fix it so exactly. you know, no matter how popular unpopular your view is you know open your mouth say something and if it is a problem, it can get fixed. If it, if, if it can't be, you know, Hey, it can't be fixed. Here's why. And, yeah. and just move on and, and go. One of the things that was brought to my attention when I, I had this, when I first publicly had this conversation is someone had said to me like, Oh, well the media was there. They had every right to ask questions. We did. They had every right to push on for more information. There's only so much pushing you're going to do when the precedent is set like well we don't really want to dig too deep into this so you know now and i and i understand the argument is well you could have dug deeper yes but at the same time we don't like to waste our own time so if we know that we're just going to keep asking the same questions all but different um similar to the way i don't know a cross-examination would go in a courtroom um you know you just you stop you're like all right you're just not going to answer the question or you're not going to give me the answer that i know you probably have that you're not giving me and you just move on because you know we're not going to keep everybody there all day but 
Yeah. We and, we saw the cards. We look, we saw the cards. We saw the cards they had and we're like, "All right, well we know what's going on. Just, you know, why aren't you being a little bit more direct about it?" And you know, it's, you know, but then you start to wonder like, "Well, why are they, you know, why are they paying someone a salary to do media?" You know? And it, look, and I just want to make this clear because I know what's going to happen. People are going to say, "You were shit talking Antoine." This has nothing to do with him personally. He got hired to do a job and he's doing his job. This is not about him. It's not his fault. So before anyone even tries to play that game, it's on the record. I'm not, I'm not looking at him. He got hired to do a job, and that's what he's doing. That's not his fault. He's just doing what he's told. It's the organization who decided to make this happen. Why did you make this happen? Why are we spending the PCA members' money on this? It's a little peculiar. But that's just me. I actually have a question. To, and, Matt, I don't know if I've even asked you this before. And this actually just this is more related to the lo new location in 2025 mm -hmm. Go ahead. being that the um, French quarter festival is the same date Ooh. that is going to have, you know, one to 1.5 million people in attendance. What's that going to do? I heard about this today. As, as far as the trade show. That's a very good question. And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really know anything about that until you brought this up to me earlier. Yeah, and same. but I did. I was like, wow, that's a good point. But I actually haven't had the time to really dig through that. But it, it's true. You know, we're going back to New Orleans for the for, I'm going to the we are going to New Orleans for the first time in 2025. But the industry is going back for the first time since 20. What? 17? When was, no, 16. When were they there last? 16. Um, Alan Rubin would know, but he's gone kind of quiet. So if he's there, he can chime in. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, this is a first for a lot of people and it's a first in a long time for a lot of other people. Um, and it's going to be crazy as it is. It's going to be much different than Vegas as it is. Now you add that onto it, which I'm sure a lot of people had no idea about, not even thinking about, oh. not even on their radar. And they're already thinking like, wow, this is going to be like, you know, a little bit more tricky. Um, yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, we don't know what the hotel situation is, the availability, the space, the convention center, and this and that, and all this other stuff. But if you already got, you know, hotel space being dominated and traffic being dominated by that that's going on, and then you're trying to bring a trade show into the middle of it, oof. I don't know. I don't know. The PCA really, really needs to solidify that what's going on there. They really need a strong amount of room blocks and... To you got two years. Guarantee people. Well, and that's the thing. It needs to be like I know they've got another show to plan for for next year, but it's like you got to get on this now. That, sh that show's already like kind of set and done, and like we know it's in Vegas. We know it's going to relatively work out well. Um, they've already got like I think all the hotels even picked from what I think. Resorts I World will be the host yeah. hotel for the twenty twenty four trade show. Like people, like although it is still two years away, I think they really need to look at communicating all these things as quickly as possible. Like you said, room blocks, what it's going to look like. Again, this is just rumor, but I personally have heard a couple of like maybe one or two times that they are trying to create almost our own little section outside that we can, after the show attend where we can smoke, drink and eat food in the streets that will either have heaters or cover. So if it's raining, and we'll have almost like our own block party, you know. 
Which is cool. That's what I've heard. There's supposed to be a chase into the hotels and everything, so it's almost like our own little bubble. Which is cool. I like that. that, That's a good idea. That needs to be defined quickly so that people are like, just so you know, your hotel will be a block away from this area that everyone is going to be hanging out with. We will have access to 15 bars and restaurants that you can order food at your table. They will bring it out to you. Like These things need to be communicated relatively quickly so that people feel that okay this is going to be a show that i can actually go to and like you said you know for flights what's that looking like you know hotels what's that looking like um yeah that knowing that that amount of people are going to be in the same city that we are at the exact same time is pretty crazy like vegas is already busy but vegas is built to to handle that kind of stuff and it's huge um I've never been to New Orleans, so I don't know. I don't know if like, have, how actually. it feels to have one it's to one. It's a hell of a lot harder people. to get around. I mean, a million and a half people, especially in and around yeah. the French Quarter, which I don't know where the convention center is in relation to the French Quarter, but I mean, yeah. I've been to New Orleans. And again, oh, you have, and Kevin. And I it, didn't know and that. It is, it is freaking, when it gets crowded down there, it's nuts to get around. I mean, no one will have people. I mean, it's going to basically almost be like having Mardi Gras in the middle of the trade show. Well, exactly. And like that could be fun. Like it could be cool having the amount of people, but we still need to know that we have a place to go to to do all the things we need to do. You know, many people have said multiple times they do more business outside of the trade show than they do during the trade show, right? It, it's a quote that comes out every year from multiple manufacturers. And building those relationships outside of the trade show is a key component to this industry. And if we are not supported or manufacturers and retailers are not supported to be able to do that, it will be considered a failure of a show, no matter what. Oh, absolutely. Show, There's been as show as the show. <laughs> so, There's been probably as many deals made at Bar Luca after the exactly. show at the, at the Palazzos or on the show floors. I mean, yeah, the after, so, after hours events are critical to making it a success and again i hope that they can communicate clearly what they have planned to make sure that people feel comfortable that those things are going to be taken care of because from what again we weren't there at the last time it's just from what we heard it was not a fun experience that's pretty much what that's what i've heard that's what i've heard as well i mean you know when i was in new orleans i was there i wasn't there for you know pca or cigar event i was there for something else but i mean it's definitely it's it's a different city i mean it's definitely something that if you've never been it's an experience i mean you know you gotta go you gotta go to know once right so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it goes and and you know the stories i've heard from the trade show before and you know guys saying oh it yeah. sucks and this i mean you got to go into it with an open mind you know i hope they can do it especially if they pull off you know what the the rumors you know that you brought up and you know making an exclusive area party. for us yeah. and everything and like a big block party i mean if they pull that off it'll be epic i mean it'll be one of the best trade shows ever yeah but, I, I agree i mean you know <clears throat> I, I, look, I'm excited to go to New Orleans just to have beignets and walk down Bourbon Street, and because um, that shit's kind of cool. 
you know, hey, maybe, maybe hey, it's a jambalaya, cool. <laughs> you know, all that all that stuff that you know that they're known for down there, the cuisine, you know, having some Cajun food and they do crawfish and like junk gumbo and all that stuff down there too. Isn't that like what they do down there? Um, I like. Yeah, to, I'll get I'll get a hundred pounds and I'm down there. Listen, It'll I like nuts. to eat. I love that food. I love to eat, and I've never really experienced a lot of that food. So like, I'm excited for that to hey, try all these hey, new you, cuisines. But you guys saw me eat at PCA, dude. I'm, I love. I love. I don't know your 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 food was gone so fast. I don't know if that even qualifies <laughs> eating. That's more like just like. It's like it's like vacuum suck from Spaceballs. Just dude, we we went gone. to a, we went to a steakhouse the first night. Team went out to a steakhouse, and all the steaks came. And Mitchell's was gone significantly faster than everyone else's. And there's people at that table that can eat. Me, Kevin, Matt, and Mi- I look. I'm like, he's already done. I cleaned that bone <laughs> off. I like the that bo- bone like off. there was a there was a clean there was a clean cow's bone on his plate and i still had half of a steak left and i was like he swallowed that shit whole like a friggin boa constrictor i'm like did he did he even come out with meat on it or did they just bring you like an empty bone like what the jesus hey and you know seconds and thirds of sides i'm all for that <laughs> yeah i mean you know we ain't good Maybe on we trip. do need to take him to a buffet next time matt well, I suggested to the team, I go, why don't we do a buffet? And everyone shot it down. So I said, all right, no. But, you know, I think we should have done that. 2024, after seeing, we're going after, to a buffet. After seeing him eat, we got to go take him to a buffet. Now we have to because now we yeah, have to find out buffet. where the limit is. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we'll, could... we'll, take, we'll take him down to the M buffet. That's, oh. a, that's, a, really, that's a really good one. They is that have, the one, they is that the, one with the Mirage? I mean, um, uh, MGM no. Grand? No, the M is it's a it's down to like it's way south of the strip. It's actually down at, at Las Vegas Boulevard and St. Rose Parkway. It's probably about fifteen minutes south of the strip. Oh okay. But, I mean they have they have a buffet. They have like crab legs and lobster tail and beef wellington and Ooh. and New York strip steak and I mean it's just it's unreal. You know, I mean it's it's like it's like buffet at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. I mean it's insane. All right, so so Sean Brayshaw is watching the show. Sean, thank you for watching the show. Uh, has said, I challenge Mitch to a steak eating contest. Now this, Sean, now this Sean. is something I can get into. Here we go. Next this, time you're in town, next oh, time you're in go. town, buddy, we'll do it. Sean, I'll even we'll do it. Sean, I'll even root for you. <laughs> like, we'll I'll do it. I'll cheer against my own guy because I'm like this kid getting fast. So I got to see someone take him down. Forty eight ounce tomahawks going down. Should we? Now, I don't know if Mitchell will get this reference, but Kevin, at your advanced age, you should. Um, <laughs> should we do the Should we do the great outdoors with him? <laughs> All the fat and gristle, too. All the fat and gristle, not just the meat. <laughs> it's gonna be a clean bone. Yeah, old ninety-sixer. You gotta have. You gotta have about a three-pound baked potato to go with it. Oh, oh man. Geez. Yeah, that's. I see. Like, come with bacon and. Cre- does it come with bacon and sour cream though? Because it comes with, with anything you want. That's right. The more the better. Bacon, bacon, sour cream, and some freshly chopped green green onion. Oh, you know what? Too. Do you like burritos, Mitch? Oh, of course. Okay, we have a place here that has a five-pound burrito. Oh, geez, it's like as big as my head. There's, there's another one. I think, Matt. I think you could take it down. I think you could. You know, the other he's, thing too is he has an hour to eat it, so. You know what the other thing is too, Kevin, which is interesting. So we had multiple hotel rooms, and but they were all connected, right? 
So, um, you know, I was over in Mitch's room and the, the, the middle doors were open. So like we knew everywhere everyone was. So not that I was really paying attention or being weird, but you know, I, I would notice when people <laughs> were in the bathroom and when they weren't right. I don't recall Mitchell spending a lot of time in the bathroom either, which is interesting because for as much as he ate, you figure, well, what goes in must come out. <laughs> I don't know. He's also a very fairly thin guy. So I'm just trying to figure out like, where does it all go? I mean, he's still I don't a growing boy. Just yeah. you know, body just yeah. eats it up. Still, still a strapping young lad. Yeah, growing. I mean, you know, Nicole said in New Orleans we're going to be eating fried alligator, and Barbara said not me. <laughs> yeah, Bar Barbie I'm girl is definitely not adventurous in the food stuff, and so they definitely have it down there. Barbara, I'll try a little bit of everything. Wherever we go, we'll make sure that the basics are there for you. I promise. You know. You gotta make sure there's like like chicken and spaghetti and meatballs. You know, you know how much Barbara loves that. We've got to make sure we have that for Barbara, and then we can venture out. Sean, know. Sean asks which steakhouse will it be. It, make it easier when you come to the lounge. We can just bring get someone to bring a barbecue, and we'll just have steaks one night, and we'll all we'll all do it. Yeah, so, so you can come to our media compound, and we'll just we'll we'll do it all in house, nice and you know, we do whatever we want. No, Sean Sean lives in Canada. I, ah, I, yeah, he used, to, he used okay. to live here, but he's on the east, east side now. Um, ah. he, he comes visit us every once in a while. So ah. we'll, we'll, we'll have a night, we'll do a steak night, and we'll, video we'll all just... Video didn't happen. Yeah, video yeah, we'll didn't have happen. To, we'll have to videotape it, you know, some medium rare steaks on the barbie. You know, we'll get some there's, size There's going to be a minimum size, too. I mean, I'm yeah, thinking we'll, we'll get some nice, what, We'll get some 42, nice cuts. 40, 48 ounce-ish. You know, does it have to be excessive amounts? Maybe I don't know. We'll see. But um, yes, it does. It'll it'll be a nice amount. Look <laughs> at but... Matt laugh. <laughs> Listen, it has to be excessive amounts. If it's a contest, it has to. I mean, you, you got to go big or go home, right? Let me let me just tell you something. Let me let me just tell you something. And Mitchell, the one dinner that you did have with us didn't count because that wasn't really a true one. But you haven't eaten meat. Until you've eaten steak oh, with, Carney. with John Carney, mm -hmm. let me tell you something. You think you're you think you're tough. You think you're a big time. Okay, all right. I see you, Mitchell. I saw you eat. I you can hang a little bit, but the test is when you eat like pounds of meat, grade <laughs> A prime sirloin with Jonathan M. Carney. You want to be a big boy and you want to flex your eating ability. Eat a real full meal, one-on-one, -on -one, not a group where everything gets shared, a one-on-one -on -one meal with Carney where he orders the same amount of food for two people. Let me know if you can take that down. I would like you to know, see I, Carney I, I paired up with Evan Darnell, the snakes, the snakesmith from Red Meat Lovers. Dude. That would be yes. that would be an epic pairing right there. Dude. Those two. Oh, my God. Evan Darnell and John Carney in a cage match steak eating competition. <laughs> I would pay to – I would I – Cooking would, and eating. Cooking oh, my God. Eating. They both have to cook four steaks, and then they have to get into a cage, and they can't leave until one of them finishes all the meat. Now, that, <laughs> now that is an event. And the winner that – would, That would be epic. Oh. That, would, that would be unreal. Mm-hmm. Mm. wasn't didn't Evan wasn't he in the the Nathan's hot dog eating contest at one point? I don't know. Was I he? he? Well, I believe I believe he was. 
I'd love to see Carney do that too. I really feel like he could take it down. I don't know. Carney can eat too. And I say that with love and respect because I also can. Not in a way that I think he eats too much because he doesn't. Despite what some people may think. Um, you know, first of all, so something ha I don't want to say too much or get too specific because I don't know if Carney wants this out there. But I'll, I'll say someone that Carney knows pretty well. Uh, it wasn't me, um, but <laughs> someone that Carney knows very, very, very well um, pulled him aside at the trade show and said, Carney, we need to do something about your weight. And he was very upset, and I think he has every right to be. Carney is a very sexy human being, and I think he's very comfortable with himself, and he looks great, looks dynamite, you know? He's a bigger boy. There's nothing wrong with that. He's just he's just a big boy, and he's a, he's a good boy. So, you know, he's... He knows how to dress to the nines, that's for sure. He still looks good in the suit, man. I'll tell you, we, you know, I see him dressed up at the show. That second day, he came down to the show floor and he had that like that light pink jacket with the dress shirt and the and the handkerchief. And he, I'm like, he looked fucking good. He looked like a vice president. What am I gonna say? You know, he looked good. It doesn't matter how big you are. Mitchell looked good. Mitchell pulled the suit out, you know, on his bony frame. Like he said. put the suit on. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Herklotz inspired. That's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I have the tie. Have my pocket square. You know, got the dimple going. See, here's that another one. Uh, Dan Thompson, join us in Texas. You'll be happy. He's done in Texas too. I've, I've never been to Texas, been to Texas, but, Texas. But, but yeah, they know how to eat. It's a eat. good time. They eat a lot of steak down there, as they call in Texas cattle. I believe <laughs> is the cattle. proper is the proper term. Oh. Um, Mitch has what moose and elk. Yep. Listen, I've eaten elk. Moose. I've never had moose, but I've had elk. How about, how about that moose it's, on the roof, it's, eh? It's tasty. It's very lean. It's very lean. Um, I've had bison. I've had elk, both yeah, coincidentally good. enough with Carney. Um, that's where I got it from. Uh, he, he had ordered a bunch of meat through his meat purveyor, and uh, and he was like, hey, you want to try some elk? And I was like, yeah. And it was good. It was very lean. It was like a really, really lean filet. Like, you got it from the meat mafia. It was good. It was really good. Bison's good too. I like bison. Um, yeah. Lamb Bison's is good. Delicious. Bison burgers. Lamb. Ooh, so good. The only thing I still haven't had. I've never had deer. I've never had moose. Um, I've always wanted to. I just never had that opportunity. But yeah, uh, Alex, I agree, buddy. Texas barbecue and steaks are second to none. You know what? Oh, the whole barbecue thing. Buddy, I like Alex from Texas. I like all barbecue. Okay. Let's just get that out there. With sauce, without sauce, you know, charcoal, not charcoal, smoked, not smoked. I love all barbecue, man. Like, who that's doesn't? Just my just favorite food. It's my that's favorite just of just the tasty. Barbecue is my favorite of the food groups. <laughs> exactly. Mm, so good. But Texas does make some nice barbecue, that's for sure. Nicole brings up a good point. <sighs> I'll tell <laughs> I'll tell this story. I'll tell this story. I'll tell this story. <laughs> so I got in on I got in on Thursday night and I'm waiting at baggage claim and uh, with Matt the other Matt and uh, Darren from My Father's Cigars shout out and uh, we were all on the flight together and we're all baggage together and our bags were like the last bags it's like almost never happens to me I will admit I I did panic and I texted Kevin who was waiting to pick me up outside and I'm like you know hey like I'm still waiting for my bag. And I'm like, but I don't know where, like, this is weird. And Kevin's like, well, you should check your air tag. And I'm like, that's a good point. 
So I look it up and I see that they're still there and I'm like, oh, okay. And so they must just be coming down. They're in Las Vegas, so they did come over on the plane. So I just don't know. And while I'm farting around with that, I almost miss, but I didn't. Here comes a fellow soul that I know and love around the corner so casually. And I make eye contact and I go, oh, my God. I go, oh, my God. Jose, what's going on? Jose Blanco, right there. Oh, you know, Matthew, how are you? How you doing? You know, great to see Jose. And the second thing out of his mouth is, oh, Matthew, you know, you put on some pounds. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I knew I did. I didn't think it was that bad. But, I mean, you know, had a lot going on, you know? And yeah, I'm just at, least like, he was at least he was polite about it. And I was like, thanks, mm. Jose. And then what does he do after that? He calls me fat, and then he goes, do you have a cigar? And I go, he's like, you got cigars on you? I go, oh, yeah, obviously. He's like, what do you got? And I was like, do you need something? He's like, yeah. And I was like, all right. So there I'm in the middle of the airport opening my luggage to pull out all the cigars I brought to town. And I'm like, what are you looking for? And I'm asking him all these questions. He's like, I just need something small, small ring gauge. I go, you got it, Jose. I pull out a tatuaje. And a, like a Corona size. And I go, how about He's like, that's great. I'll take it. And I said, great. And I was happy to give him a cigar because I'm like, whatever. Jose asked me for a cigar. I'm going to give him whatever he wants. Um, and then we leave and I leave with Kevin and Barbara and I go to the hotel and I check in. And then I say, hey, I'm going to go over to the Palazzo and I'm going to check in. Um, I mean, I'm going to check in with everybody else and see what's going on. Everyone's over there. You know, it's 11 o'clock. Everyone's, you know, crowded going around. And I'm farting around. I'm talking to people. I'm seeing people. I see Pete Johnson. He sees me, and he's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, I love I had my Jordan jersey on, and he's like, I love the jersey. He's like, that's the real goat. And I'm like, yeah. And then he goes, by the way. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, thanks for giving Jose Blanco a tatuaje. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I gave it to him after he called me fat. <laughs> it was just it was a good time. It was, you know, and I love oh, Jose, and I know Jose's just busting balls. I know. Uh, it is partially true, but at the same time, I know Jose busting balls, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But it was just fun. It was fun to just have that experience. <laughs> oh, man. So, no, it was a good time. It was a good time. There was a lot of good things that happened at that trade show. Uh, you know, I was, you know, we had fun. But, you know, like I said, there was also a couple of things that, you know, I just think need to be brought to the attention of, you know, folks. And uh, I think we covered that. But I'm looking at the time here, and we are going on – Two and a half hours. We've been on here for a while. And Coop's not even here. Imagine what's going to happen when he comes back. We have so much to talk about. <laughs> I'll have what? to make sure I have a snack. You better, because when Coop comes back, yes. it's going to be good. Um, so, you know, all in all. Thanks, everyone, for sticking in yeah, this we, entire night. Everyone's this still here. I mean, you know, look, there's a lot more I could say. You know, we could, we'll, and we'll talk more and more about the stuff that was at the show. I mean, we, we got... You know, a whole nother show on that, too. And we still got to get Coop's feelings. So don't worry. There's going to be more of this. But, you know, in terms of the negatives, it's not it's never fun to bring it up. But I wanted to get it out of the way. Uh, I feel like we covered that. We covered, you know, New Orleans situation finally been confirmed, uh, which is, you know, not a surprise, I guess, to us. But it sounds like it was a surprise to some manufacturers. Um, but that's a whole nother story. And, um other than that, I mean, it was a good show. Overall, it was a good show. Um, I even yep. spoke to some people who have been critical of the PCA show in the last couple of years, and they were like, you know what, it's a pretty good show. Um, and I said, yeah, and they're like, no, yeah, 
this was a good show. Like I'm, I'm happy with it. And I'm like, well, that's good. You know, and that, then that's a, that's a, I mean, that's not the only barometer, but it's a good, you got people who I know are like, man, fuck this show. And I see them and they're like, no, this show is pretty good. And I'm like, well, that's a good thing to hear. Um, you know, and then you see, you know, some of the big guys coming back, obviously Altidus, General, uh, D Drew Estate will be back in full effect for 24. Um, I saw, we saw JD walking on the trade show floor. All the Drew Estate yeah. reps were at Hoya de Nicaragua, uh, which by the way, Hoya's booth was really cool. Um, and they were awesome with their time and we got to see the new Cinco de Cinco, um, from Hoya de Nicaragua, which is another, um, highlight of the show. It's a cigar I'm definitely interested in, uh getting more into uh when it is real we have some samples so I'll, I'll try it but um i believe it i don't remember when it gets released but i, I want to say it's pretty soon if it hasn't shipped already um so yeah i mean just seeing them there is great um i think it also when they came back i think it, it did bring a little bit of spirit and life back to the show and I, I know that other manufacturers were happy that they were there and i think everyone was happy they were there and it sounds and they they were to we uh, sorry we were told at the press conference on uh, that monday um that um altidus and forged uh, i think it was coop actually who asked the question like you know have you guys gotten a reading back on you know like what they think you know being back at the show and we were told that altidus and forged you know had nothing but good things to say they were very pleased with the trade show uh, and they've already booked and confirmed for 24. So they're definitely they're definitely here to stay for now, um, which is good. And it's something we, you know, we we talked a lot about. And to see them back, do a show, went well. They're already booked for the next one. Drew Estate's booked for the next one. I was told Drew Estate um, has a pretty big booth again. Um, and in fact, the words that were used were, I think the booth is the same size as Rocky Patel's, uh, which is a good-sized booth. So... Uh, it, it's good. Altidus, I think, upgraded to a bigger booth for 2024, um, from what I understand as well. I think Forged has the same, because uh, that was talked about uh, at the press conference. So it, it's all good things. I mean, the, again, the only one that's left out is Davidoff, but you know, we don't really know what's going on. Davidoff. With so um, it'd be great to see them come back, just so that everybody's there. But I, I just, I feel like we're not going to see them. Uh, we're not going to see them. If they come back, we won't see them for a few years. And I'm not sure, you know, when, why, or how. But uh, I think it's just going to be the other three for the time being. Uh, which is, you know, it's better than none of them being there, right? So um, we'll take it. But, no, this is a good show. And, uh, you know. I know an observation that I made, and it's like, I guess, an opinion that I have. is like when we had the opening meeting. <clears throat> You know, prior to the show kicking off, when they went over their legis the PCA went over the legislative wins that they've had this year. You know, there was some major, major plays made and some major wins on the legislative side that PCA was involved in. And I think, you know, for the manufacturers and everybody that was there at that meeting and get to hear that and anybody involved in the show, especially from the states where these wins happened, you know, they're they got to see firsthand, you know, that PCA is actually out there fighting and they're actually able to see firsthand where their money's going. And I just think that created a super positive mood to kick off the show. I agree. And again, like I said, we, we, we were critical on a couple of issues. Um, but again, and I can't stress this enough, that doesn't change the big look at PCA or the people who I mentioned, like Scott and Greg and, um, you know, it, Look, it 
there's still a lot of good things that are being done in the in the bigger picture for the greater good and we still applaud them for that so i don't want anyone to take this away like well you know now you know it no it didn't tear them down uh, you know as a whole or completely or what it's just did this specific issue that i mentioned but kevin's right i mean we, we, you know that stuff is important and you know you know we sat we keep me and kevin sat right next to each other we, we they went through all the numbers they went through all the you know, and th there's a lot of stuff being done. I mean, they they still have to deal with Judge Meta, um, with his next ruling, whatever. But he that's still being put on the back burner with because I think he's also presiding over the January sixth stuff. So obviously, tobacco and cigars is definitely not a priority. Which, I mean, it makes sense. But um, you know, but in the meantime, you know, they've been doing good. They they've added Kevin. Was it four states they were able to pass a tax cap through this year? Um. Connecticut, they were able to um, pass the bill, so that way they could, you know, start cigar bars again. Um, so they overturned a flavored ban somewhere. I can't remember what state it was, but they overturned they, a flavored ban. They did, and you're right. I can't remember the state. I'm trying to remember what state was that. Yeah, it was. It was, it was up your way somewhere, I believe, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't Massachusetts, and I doubt it was New York. I should have written it down. I couldn't. Was it? I couldn't remember. Was it maybe Connecticut too? It uh, might have been. Or Pennsylvania. I don't know. I don't know, but, the, but yeah, you're right, and I can't remember which one it was. But they did, and again, it it's state stuff, but it's still important because even when states do things, I mean, it you know, other states feed off of that. So. It, yep, it radiates. It does. It does. So I mean, when you got four, you got four states that. Implemented a tax cap, and what's the total with tax caps now? Is it 15 states, 16 states? 16 states, I believe they said. Uh, that's a lot. That's, that's a man. lot, and that's you know, and remember that's 16 states with tax caps, and that's not like the couple of states that are out there that don't even have cigar tax. Um, you know, so I mean, you're talking almost half the country. I mean, that's that's good. That's what you want. I mean, you still got New York and California, Massachusetts, and Vermont, and I think Maine. Uh, actually, maybe Maine was the flavored one. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember. Know. I should, I'm gonna I, find I, out. I should have written it down. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to speculate and guess. I'm I don't want to speculate, but one one state definitely did, and I can't remember where, but there was one state. Uh, but you know, there's still a lot of states out there that do have high taxes and stuff, and you know, it'd be nice to see those states, you know, kind of get around that because it it is crippling, and you know, you don't want to end up like Mitchell in Canada because it, <laughs> it is real. Um, you know, perfect example, you know, <sighs> you know, I acquired a lot of stuff at the trade show that, um, I, you know, send back with me and, um, I can take whatever I want. Mitchell at the end of the show had to go through all of the stuff, all the cigars, all the samples he acquired, and he had to pick 75 cigars that he wanted to bring with him. And that was really even like, just been 50. and really it should have been 50, but he said, I'm going to go for 75 because, you know, like this is just a lot here and I want to, I want to take it. And you know, I don't blame him. And he still crossed the border into Canada and they charged him $300 on duty for technically Mitchell, correct me if I'm wrong. Technically that duty is owed on the 25 extra, correct? That's correct. So it's only on the 25 that was over the 50. So that the fifty the is the fifty. You're in and out. The twenty-five. So he paid three hundred dollars for twenty-five cigars that he got at the trade show. Now that were technically for free. Yeah, he didn't pay for. So I mean, it's not like he really got butt raped over it. It's not like he bought all this money in cigars. He still had to pay. 
But it's still like, just imagine like you come across the border and you got to pay just three hundred dollars. It's like you know, it's not fun. It's it's not, and yeah. you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it's a reality that could happen everywhere else. And um, you know, Mitchell was gracious enough to give us some of the CAO Borealis that has Canadian grown tobacco in it, um, and he gave it to me, and it was the first time that I had ever seen a cigar with plain packaging on it. And I remember looking at him and going, oh, is the real band underneath? And he goes, no, because this was only for Canada, so they didn't need a real band. And I went, hmm, that sucks. <laughs> that yeah, sucks. I, I didn't ask the real band. I'm like, wow, do all your cigars look like this up there? It's like, yep. Wow. That's so, just crazy. So, yeah, you know, that could be your life if the PCA doesn't help you. So, again, in conclusion, the PCA is still a great organization, and I do support them, and, you know, they've been doing some really big stuff. Um, but, you know, they got a couple of little things they got to work on, and that's fine. And they, I have confidence that they can um, because we've seen it. So um, I'm going to end it there for now. I mean, this was a good show, but I want to save some Fun for when Coop, when Coop comes back because there will be a lot more going on there. Um, but, no, once again, thank you guys for um, – watching the show thank you for listening thank you for subscribing if you haven't head over to smokingtobacco.com for all of our pca coverage as well as all of our industry news and our cigar reviews and everything else that we have going on um it's on on wednesday on well are we allowed well wednesday was supposed to be jose blanco but unfortunately due to personal reasons jose has had to reschedule um and everything is okay um, but he just had some he, – he's fine. He's just had some things. He had to move some stuff around. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, not, not, a, not a big deal, but he had to reschedule, unfortunately. So um, I'm just we're working on a replacement and getting him rescheduled so we can still get him on because we have a lot we want to talk to Jose about because um, it's always a great time when we have a conversation with him. So I that is a TBA. It is a to be announced because I've had to pivot that. So stay tuned for that information. And then the week after that, we have Nick Perdomo coming on, and we will be smoking the 30th anniversary from Perdomo Cigars that will be shipping later this year. Uh, so don't miss out on that show. It's going to be a great one. And then, you know, two weeks from tonight, we're back at it again. Spare notes, and Cooper will be back to talk all about the Costco food court and Junior's Cheesecake because I think that's the only thing that really – I'll be, back. I'll, be, I'll be back i'll be back in the comments mitch will be back in the comments and kevin will be the full-time ride uh from smoking tobacco with me and so and he looks good out there with his, Matt, his studio he's all set up Matt, you're gonna you're gonna be outnumbered i know i know i'm gonna be what a bunch of old men the old farts are gonna get you i know all the old people <laughs> It's gonna be like an old country. Gotta watch, you gotta watch out for those old white guys. You know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be like going to old country buffet at like two o'clock on a Wednesday. You know. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> scary. Um... <laughs> well, you're really pushing your luck there, Matteo. Oh man, I do it because I know I can. Um... Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm gonna get with I'm gonna get with Jose and come up with a diet plan for you. Oh, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you can get with Carney's guy too, because apparently Carney needs one too. And we're like, what the fuck? Um, so we both got fat shamed at the show. So you know, me and Carney, we live together, we die together, we get fat shamed together. It's always a duo. So <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, it was a good show, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate you guys all being here tonight. Um, it's always fun to get in front of the camera, and it's great to be back. You know, we haven't been on in over a week with the trade show. So, um, 
We, uh, like I said, uh, visit SmokeyTobacco.com for all that stuff. Also, head over to our YouTube channel uh, if you just want to see the videos. All of the show interviews that myself, Mitchell, and Kevin did from the trade show, there's, I think, uh, Nicole said, like, 90-something videos. So head over there. You can check out all of the coverage from the trade show floor. You can see the interviews, see the questions asked, see the products firsthand. But uh, we also are going to be rolling out some um, more detailed coverage of the trade show uh, booth by booth on SpokenTobacco.com. It's already begun to roll out. So you can head over there right now and read it and see pictures of the products and descriptions and information on when you can get it. So uh, don't forget to check that out. And sign up for our email newsletter while you're at it, too, so you can stay up to date on our announcements and um, who's coming on the show and all that fun stuff that we promote. So with that, I'm going to see you guys next time. Keep it lit, and we'll see you Wednesday night. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you for spending your time with us at Smokin' Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokinTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.